0: Welcome once again to the Coffee and Heroes podcast. It's time now, finally, for another review show. Uh, We've we've been a little exadaisical in the reviews recently. We've been working on uh, some special interviews for some of our episodes, chatting with creators, obviously getting the preview stuff in there as well. Fell a little bit behind in our reviews, but we're planning to get right back on track in the next week or so. What we're going to be doing first of all with this podcast is covering all of the titles that we enjoyed in August 2020.
1: That was a lot of titles.
0: That is the voice of Mr. Miller. Keith, how are you? I'm good, Alan. What about yourself? I am really looking forward to talking some comics because there are some great titles to talk about yeah. here. Even one of my picks is a DC title that even Mr. Indy himself bought and read. Roddy, I, how are you? I did indeed. I'm good. I'm really good. Yeah. Always good to hear. Always good to hear. Yeah, as I say, it was it was a pretty stellar month, so it was. There's the, there was one week in particular really stood out that we'll we'll certainly get on to later. But you know, I'm really looking forward to this review show because A there's so many great titles, but B I was I was doing a few notes for, for this one and I went back and reread all these issues and I actually forgot how good some of them were. You know, sometimes we, we make our picks based on like a memory of oh I really enjoyed that and then you have to go back and wonder why. But I was rereading the issues and there really is some brilliant stuff this month uh from from all three you know from DC from Marvel and from from the indie publishers mm-hmm. as well so uh but yeah I mean we'll we'll get on to that certainly again we're going to follow the format we're going to go through it weekly uh we'll all pick out a title each week that we thought was the pick of the week and then we'll also do one honorable mention I'll just repeat that for you Keith one honorable
1: mention I got you. I got you. Excellent.
0: Excellent. Right. So you're my witness, listeners. That uh, Keith will break this Better. thing first up. Uh, I'm going to let Keith take the reins on the first thing uh, that uh, was a bit of a standout in August. A bit of a bit of a bloodbath in August.
1: A wee bit. Um, I mean, not to not to kick off the podcast on negative news, uh, but I mean, I guess it's the uh, it's the, the the immediate response to uh, to COVID and and uh, months weeks of, of lockdown and the comic industry being on a standstill but there's a whole bunch of titles uh, across the big two that have been that have been axed or, or have come to an end uh, unceremoniously and I feel like I've been personally hurt I think DC are targeting me
2: because um, yeah, it, it didn't really feel Keith like it felt like comics just picked back up and they were like right we're off to the races again and there was a couple of weeks where it all felt normal and and then, then it was like a couple of you know weeks later, after everything was back to normal, they were they just kind of got the you know sort of Damocles and just was like, yeah, see you, you know, it, to it was, A lot uh, of things.
1: You know, Jim Lee has said that they're they're cutting off something like the bottom twenty percent sellers or whatever. But it just happens that maybe the bottom twenty percent sellers are some of the best titles they have, <laughs> which is you know weird. I mean, we're losing John Constantine, Hellblazer. Uh, which you know we've has consistently been our pick, you know, on our pick list, you know, for the past winter months. Um, and again, that's and an interesting one because
0: obviously we can only go by, you know, our immediate store and our immediate customers. But Hellblazer's a big seller for us. I don't know how it does worldwide. Obviously, we can only look at our little bubble. But Hellblazer outsells, you know, a lot of titles. You see, when it comes to all those Sandman universe titles, you know, books of magic, House of Whispers. I mean. We we sell more Hellblazer than we do those other four books combined, but again we can obviously yeah. only talk for our story. You know, it's
2: curious yeah. with that one in particular that the trade the trade never got to happen before all the others kind of I believe had a trade or were planning on it, but this one just they didn't they didn't even give a mention. They didn't even think, oh okay, well if the trade does well, we might pick up some more readers. It was just like no, it's gone. Yeah, I Without mean, it... really thinking about it.
1: I mean that the size barrier is just perfectly matched as a as a writer in that. I mean the the, the the darkness about what he's been doing and stick your conspiracy hat on, stick your tinfoil hat on. You know, <laughs> maybe it's because of all the insults to the royal family or all the <laughs> all the back talking to stories. <laughs> they might be listening. They might they be might listening. Be. So moving on, Suicide Squad is is coming to an end as well. That, where, where that we one are, hurts. aware of. That one hurts. Um one that really has knocked me for six is the end of Batman Beyond at number 50. Uh, that is, I mean, I've, uh, I've mentioned before, I mean, obviously it's come to pass. This is, to me, this is the best DC title that nobody else is reading. And it's just it's just fantastic. And now nobody else is going to get a chance. So tighten you.
0: Um, <laughs> I'm going to get a chance
1: because you're going to lend me those 50 issues. That is true. And then on the Marvel side, uh, we're losing... Ed Breeson's Ghost Rider, which is just the best Ghost Rider since Hard Mackey's 90s run, I think, the Midnight Sun stuff. Uh, we're losing Mark Waid's Doctor Strange, Surgeon Supreme, which has just been exploring corners of the Doctor Strange universe that haven't been touched, and I've, I've mentioned it before. Uh, Jane Foster, Valkyrie is going, uh, Al Ewing's uh, and uh, Jason Orange. Yeah, they, book. They only um, brought that back, didn't they? They only brought it back. It was it was supposed to go digital, and then you know it, it went physical, but uh, they finished it off there with the, the last episode. I mean it, it contains the best breakout character of the year in Mr. Horse. Um, so it's
0: well, sad I, I have a counter argument to best character breakout yeah, of the year, but that will come later.
1: That's quite alright. So yeah, as you say, Roddy, wee bit of a bloodbath. Um not nice to see, but uh, certainly it's it's sadly cutting my pull list down by a by a margin. And I mean I'm sure I'll find something else to, to keep me out of mischief. But uh, but still, some really strong books that are that are on the chopping block there.
2: Yeah, it's very some really creative books too. Mm. So we can only hope the creators involved land on their feet and find something else because it's it's a thin line as a creator, you know, getting getting paid in these sort of times. So it's absolutely well, yeah, heartbreaking for them
1: all. Uh, I mean, certainly the the writers and the artists in those books are all. Staples, you know, Saeed Dan Jurgen's, Tom Taylor. I mean, that was uh, Suicide Squad came to an end anyway. Ed Breeson, Mark Wade, Al Ewing, Jason Aaron, you know, to to name a few there. So I think they'll be, I think they'll be rightly, but still. And then there was some that came to a natural end, you know, uh, stories that ended. But we'll talk a little bit about some of those later on.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, it's nice I mean, segue. I I've no problem with titles being streamlined a little bit, you know, but. It is frustrating when they're ones that you have personal attachments to and ones that you're very much enjoying. So it's, you know, it, it. as a big Batman fan, you know, titles I regularly enjoy are very rarely on the chopping block, you know, that because that is DC's golden goose, just the way you would say Spider-Man is with, with Marvel and so forth. But it it is a shame to see some of these titles coming to an end. Uh, definitely out of all of them, Hellblazer's is the one that hits me hardest, but... Mm-hmm yeah it, it it is a shame but hopefully it you know paves the way for some new titles coming out as well and i, I would just maybe ask the the sort of the big two at this point you know because they are they do listen to this on a regular basis and you know they value <laughs> value my opinion very highly but you know just announce things as miniseries give them six issues if they do well uh you can always do another volume if they do badly hey you can release a trade and maybe make some money back but you know, don't announce these ongoings and then cancel after 10 issues or 11 issues. It's Because it, you'll always feel that the story then is unfinished. And that's that's a real shame. So, um, yeah. So, way to, th- way to start off the podcast on a bum note, Keith. Cheers. Sorry, dude. Appreciate that. But we'll bring it right back up straight away with uh, Roddy's happiness at the release of The Mandalorian Season 2 trailer. I believe you jumped straight on that as soon as it was released today
2: today in fact this thing looks awesome um i never really considered myself a star wars guy but when i when i watched the mandalorian and when i watched the trailer for the second season today i i get that feeling that people do you know the people that saw star wars in the cinema i think i get that feeling like about the mandalorian i just think cracking western space opera just suits star wars so much what i think about it awesome soundtrack it looks so good story is going to be fantastic in this one can't wait to see the new villain and i can't wait to see the journey i don't want to ruin it for you guys if you're not going to watch it i only kind of watched a minute of it and then was like no that's too much um, so yeah, there's there's a there's a couple of things more connected to the uh, Star Wars lore, shall we say? So I think they're going to delve into a certain section of the universe, which is really intriguing. Ooh! Um, as the Mandalorian tries to bring uh, the child home. <laughs> the child, the child. <laughs>
0: That's the most Belfast in you have ever sounded, Roddy.
2: <laughs> well, I try. Well, I say oh. I don't try, but you know.
1: I uh, I haven't watched the trailer yet. Uh, I don't know if I will because the first season was probably enough trailer for me. Yeah. I, I don't know that I need anymore. To I mean, I'm 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 already I'm already hooked. Uh, so I mean, everybody that listens to this knows that we're pretty much allergic to trailers. Uh, you know, when it comes to <laughs> or anything past the first trailer, and I just don't feel like I, like I need it. Um, there was a, a lovely cliffhanger at the end of of season one. Uh, they're, they're, they're a great character and, uh, and, uh, uh, Jean Franco, um, what is his surname? Uh, Gus Spring from Breaking Bad. Uh, whenever he appeared at the end of that, uh, that first episode with a oh, certain, yes. a certain yeah. weapon. Um, uh, that was a bit of a so I had to go and and look that up and and because that was a part of the lore that I didn't know you know and a, that whole thing so just yeah it was just a great first season so yeah I'm I'm all in for the second season yeah well
0: that's it I mean it's it it's that fine line with trailers as you say it's nice to get a little peek at something but at the same time you don't want to spoil it for yourself when you know for a fact you'll be watching it I know recently there was another James Bond trailer drop for example I just ignored that because. I knew I was going to see it. But another another trailer that did drop that certainly had a bit of an impact as well and was certainly worth watching was the trailer for Denis Villeneuve's Dune, which dropped, and I think we were all anxious to get a sense of Dune. Dune's always been one of those ones that, like, I'm a fan of the David Lynch version, but that's more because I'm a fan of David Lynch than anything else. But you, you get the feeling that no one's quite cracked it yet, and everyone has high hopes for this. I know you're a particularly big fan of the property key, so what were your... Yeah, I
1: mean, I I have a bit of a love for uh, for the, the David Lynch version as well, but it's it's well known that that David Lynch didn't read the book, you know, Frank Herbert's *Dune* before he made the movie. Um, it just came straight from the screenplay, um, and it was he 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 lynched it like um, he he did what he was always going to do. Um, so. You know, I, I love Dune. My background is is the study of ecology, and and June is effectively, essentially, a book about the ecology of a planet, and and the effect that that has on society, and it's it, I mean, and a lot more than that. Um, and I, the, the trailer, there's a there's a whole lot of cool set pieces, and there's a whole lot of cool wee things, the still suits, and the the, the, the sort of type of martial arts they use, and the the sand worms, and all of that good stuff. Um. So, yeah, the trailer just looks fantastic. The soundtrack was great, and apparently it's introduced a lot of uh, younger people to Pink Floyd, uh, which is never a bad thing. Never a bad uh, thing. There are a couple of things in it that sort of have uh, have me wondering a wee bit. Um, there's been some, uh, some changes of, of characters from the book uh, in a way that may affect the story, so I don't know where they're going with that. I noticed they used the word in the book. Uh, they used the word uh, jihad an awful lot. Which uh, has different connotations now than than I guess it it did back whenever the book was written, uh, and they've replaced it with the word crusade, and that sort of makes me wonder, you know, crusade is a word that's very much associated with white supremacists now and all of that stuff. so I just wonder are they playing to against that? I don't know there's a june the, is a is a as is a story that that could very easily be set in the Middle East, you know with the, with a lot of the cultures that are involved and and so forth and so on. and I just it makes me it makes me sort of wonder and then you know the pink floyd soundtracks make me think makes me think they're gonna they're gonna play up the uh the psychedelic sort of uh elements of the movie maybe over the political i, I don't know uh, but jesus it, it was it's a real it looks like a real spectacle uh, i'm really looking forward to it. if there's one man that can do it right it's that man he'll do well and the cast is phenomenal
0: yeah, looking forward to it myself, as I say. I mean, it, it, it looked it was quite a slow burn trailer as well. I thought it started off with a lot of small moments and then built up to obviously the introduction with the sandworms and all that kind of stuff. So it's yeah, it's definitely what I'm looking forward to. I mean, it's one that obviously Keith and I have a you know little bet on. You know <laughs> what will ultimately gross more, Dune or Tenet? Uh, but you know, Tenet started first as a as, as an experiment and. I am mean, not making excuses, of course, you know, but... No, D- Dune looks class, I have to say, but again, I'll probably leave it there. One trailer, that's enough. Totally agree. You know, be there sort of yeah. opening weekend anyway, you know. Um, other movie bits and pieces, I saw Wonder Woman unfortunately got moved again. It's It was scheduled for an October release, but I think studios are getting a really cold feet at the moment with uh, releasing major tentpole movies in the current climate. Obviously cinema audiences are cut in half straight away, maybe more than half by, you know, COVID restrictions being put in place. And it's it, it must be a delicate balance because you obviously want to bring people out and get them to enjoy these movies in the best possible format and try and restore some sense of normality but being responsible at the same time and unfortunately money doesn't always go well with responsibility. Unfortunately. Uh you know, that that's that's for another podcast. That's for another podcast. <laughs> Uh, so yes, Wonder Woman, yeah, it got moved. It was going to be start of October. It's now been moved to December, I believe Christmas Day. And that, just as a little segue as well, that makes me think Dune will probably get delayed as well because it's due in December. And I don't see Warner Brothers releasing two major temples that close to each other. I think, I think we're maybe entering an era that maybe we recognize more, gentlemen, where movies are going to be in the cinema for two months, three months, four months at a time, instead of in for three weeks, yeah. Yeah. out of the mm-hmm. cinema out in blu-ray two months later you know glory it is. you know you can play your old timey music over this statement but back when we were lads <laughs> you know but yeah I mean I remember Jurassic Park Jurassic Park stayed in the cinema for six months six months that is yeah. incredible to me but people kept going back to see it because they wanted to see it on the big screen but I suppose now people know they can watch it on their 60 inch plasma within three months of it being released on blu-ray or Netflix or whatever so Alan's old man rant is over for the moment <laughs>
1: it was a good one, Alan. It was a good
0: one. Yeah, I thought you'd appreciate that. You know, I knew Roddy when he's the youngest of the three of us. But well, <laughs> it's just a,
2: a whippersnapper at a <laughs> 33.
0: <laughs> uh, and then just yeah, one maybe last bit of sort of movie news that which uh, an actor Jonathan Majors who has been mm. cast in a large role, a large important role in Ant Man Three. There is a lot of speculation what character is he playing keith you'll know better than us
1: uh so the 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 speculation is that is that uh says jonathan majors who he he's he's best known currently i think maybe for lovecraft country and for defy bloods that he started alongside chadwick boseman um on netflix there not so long ago that he'll be playing kang who is the uh the tyrant of time in marvel he uh you know, Kang uh, was originally in well in his Ramatot alias uh, in the, one of the original the, the early issues of Fantastic Four, where he he was a he's a time traveler from the far far future from the 40th century, uh, who assembles armies across time and uh, he came back to impersonate a pharaoh and uh, he is his, a future version of him is Immortus, who's the guardian of time. Um, uh, he's linked to Doctor Doom. Uh, you'll probably. The recent Doctor Doom series has featured him, Roddy. I know you've been reading that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, and there's very a link interesting. between. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a link between him and Doom, and that. And there's also a link between uh, Kang and Reed Richards' father, uh, Nathaniel Richards. So uh, he's a he's been a major foe of uh, of the the Fantastic Four and of the the Avengers and the, and that. So that uh, features very heavily in a in a an Avengers book from sort of the, the, the sort of mid to late 90s called Avengers Forever. It was a it was a maxi-series, 13-issue maxi-series, and it was bloody fantastic. Highly
0: recommend it. Do you think this is their maybe segue into bringing the Fantastic Four into the MCU, perhaps?
1: I, I think, that, you know, yeah, I think it could be. And I certainly, if, if it is Kang, and again, it's only a rumor, um, if it is Kang, then surely they're setting up the villain for the next phase um you know but then it, it, you, you also wonder because time travel features so heavily in end game is it a good idea to have a villain who's a time traveler or is it that the time travel in an end game has attracted his attention uh, i don't know um yeah well i suppose yeah you've uh, you've got all the ant-man stuff
0: the quantum realm and all the rest as well you can factor that in somehow but yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting because, you know, for a good decade there, we were used to a relentless assault of Marvel movies, two a year, three a year, um, and it obviously all built expertly to Infinity War and Endgame. And then I'm not saying that they didn't have a plan after that, but they're certainly been a bit more deliberate with their movements. And obviously, COVID's played its part as well, but, you know... We we still know so little about the Eternals. We know Black Widow, but it's not gonna be that important you would think with phase four. It's more about enriching phase three with that character given the fate in Endgame. So we're you know, we're still a little up in the air with where Marvel's going. So it is fun to it is fun to speculate at this point and obviously they've got the licenses now to the Fantastic Four and the X Men and and so forth, and most importantly Daredevil. So it'll be interesting <laughs> to see how they work those characters in. So but yeah, it's fun to speculate at this point. It's nice to see some news starting to trickle out as well, especially regarding Ant Man, because Ant Man and the Wasp is a personal favourite of mine. I'd put a top three of Marvel easily, which no one in the world seems to agree with me on, but I think it's class. that's
2: it's it's up there. I, I absolutely love those Ant Man films.
0: Yeah, they're very, very
2: good. And maybe maybe you know, top top seven. <laughs> <laughs> that
0: that that looked very that seemed very precise, Roddy. You were like, that top do Don't s- pretend
2: like seven. everyone doesn't have a Marvel <laughs> list.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, very quickly, just for the benefit of our listeners, top three Marvel movies from all no, three of us. Even. No, don't has, even. No, uh, just off the top of your head, don't think about it. For me, one, Winter Soldier, two, Guardians of the Galaxy,
1: three, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Keith? Uh, Winter Soldier, uh, probably, uh, Infinity War... What? Uh, black panther's up there then black panther number three roddy hit us
2: all right uh winter soldier gonna agree with everyone probably the first avengers up there just for sheer spectacle and yeah probably i'd probably throw in guardians or maybe black panther too
0: the funny part is with this being an audio medium people can't see, but as Roddy was giving his answer, Keith was turning around and looking at his DVD collections as if to go, what would my third one actually be?
1: What have I forgotten about?
0: <laughs> and just one more thing to finish on on a personal uh, point of view, and it's something I've been talking about to everybody who'll listen since they've started coming into the store this week, but oh my god, I can't believe I've never read it before. How awesome is Sandman? Um, almost finished the first absolute edition, and... I can I'm I'm having trouble thinking about other comics right now. I just wanna sit and read it all the time. <laughs> so uh so my nice. favorite titles for all of August were Sandman one. Sandman no, not really. Uh but yeah, <laughs> highly recommend it. I know Keith hasn't read it. I know it's a.
1: it's a big it's man. It's, it's a gaping hole in yeah. his collection.
0: Have you read it, Roddy? Nope. Nope. Right. Well I, I, I definitely feel I a think bit... I've
2: read I think I've read the first uh graphic novel, like Preludes and Doctors. Yeah. But um, I don't know
0: if I went any further than that. See, years ago I read Sandman Overture when it came out and it was a big prestige thing but I was so lost in it at the time it actually put me off Sandman for a while. But then I recently was like, nope, I'm going to read it and honestly it's it, it's it's fantastic. But anyway, that'll be more for a future podcast but the only reason I wanted to mention it is because my order this week with Diamond is going to be massively Sandman-influenced. I'm just going to order in so many Sandman graphic novels, because people are probably going to be sick of hearing me talk about it in store. Anyway... Speaking of the
2: store, how is the store? Well... How's it been going?
0: It's all good. It's uh, I only got back to it this week. I was off for a few days last week. I just wasn't feeling very well. It was nothing more than sort of a bad head cold. I refuse to use the term man flu, but I just... Needed a few days I think. But no, Vicky expertly, you know, held the fort as always. But no, the store's in great shape. You know, it's it's nice and busy. It's it's a bit of a weird week coming up this week. Uh you know, we've obviously announced that there'll be no Marvel titles this week due to shipping errors on Diamonds, uh part but there's still some great titles coming this week as well. And yeah, new faces through the door every week, man. It's uh we really can't complain. And more and more people seem to be, you know, listening to and enjoying the podcast as well and watching the YouTube stuff. And, you know, we always just want to be a resource for people as well as a store. You know, if you're looking at getting into stuff, you know, here's starting points, here's good things to enjoy you might not have heard of, etc. So, no, we're we're 100%, I have to say. Well, anyway, we are going to talk some comics because that's what you came here for and we've rambled on for half an hour already. So, it's time to actually get into some comics from the month of August i am not gonna lie i am looking forward to this i have been talking to the wall for the last month about these titles now i get to talk
1: to you guys about it uh, uh how many titles did you have alan in the month of august 2020 well,
0: august was a big month for me certainly uh well every month tends to be a big month but august was a particularly big month uh we'll get to the 26th of august which was the last release day uh, in a bit but oh that week was incredible uh, but yeah, for me this month I had 112 titles. That was 48 DC, 26 Marvel, and 38 indie. What were your numbers, Keith?
1: Uh, I had uh, it was a, a big enough month as well. I had 93 titles throughout the month. Uh, in the in the order of uh, 37 Marvel, 35 indie, and 21 DC. And Roddy. <laughs> Um, yeah,
2: I had, had roughly about 40, so that's, that's a pretty big month for me. A couple of graphic novels in there just to really pile it on. Um, yeah, I think I had about, it was four DC, um, about, I think, six Marvel, and then about, like, 20-odd indie stuff. <laughs> but early earlier on in the month, um, I didn't really have that much, so I added. Uh, I kind of just, you know, do you know kept filling up my my hands with comics. I added a few, like uh, Firepower 1 and 2 was one that I picked up.
1: Oh, yeah. There's a good few
2: more in there, so I kept I kind of just accru- accrued comics in the month of August, so it was a big, big, big month.
0: Those are rookie numbers, Roddy. We'll, we'll get you up to our numbers, don't we? Oh, worry.
1: yeah. <laughs> low, maybe, right? maybe Roddy's <laughs> just pinpointing the quality. <laughs>
0: that's, yeah. that's kind of the problem I find sometimes, because there are times when i have big weeks and i look at issues and i think could i cut some of these and then you you look at your pile and you're sort of like well i really like that and i really like that yeah this wasn't great but that last issue that was fun yeah i'll stick with that and oh, there's only two more issues left in this i'll stick with you know it's there Whoa. there is such diversity and quality at the moment that sometimes it is yeah. actually hard to step away from titles i find i've been doing um, a week at a the
2: budget budget constraints
0: I know it's really interesting because Keith is has cut a title that is one of Roddy's picks of the month. I know. Dun dun dun. Oh, listen on for that, dear whoa. listener. Anyway, right, we're good. So what we're going to do is we're going to tackle each week of the month of August. Uh, from every every release date, what we've done is picked out our favorite title that week, and then one honorable mention just to chat about quickly as well. It's it's an interesting month as well because I think there's a lot of crossing over this month with certainly things that we've all enjoyed which is pretty cool so there'll be certainly plenty to chat about so the first week that's up is the fifth of august seems like about (laughs) six months ago but it was actually six weeks ago fifth of august is one i was really looking forward to chatting about because this was something that i really really enjoyed and it's not the first time that you're going to hear me talk about a tom taylor title uh, and it won't be the last either so 5th of august for me my pick of the week was deceased dead planet number two uh it's written by the aforementioned tom taylor and art by trevor Harrison. you know what an issue i i could talk all day about this issue so settling uh, i do feel like a broken record sometimes you know routinely gushing over tom taylor's output but for me he continues to be the most consistent writer around you know, he, he somehow manages to prevent, uh, to present horrific scenarios, but always in a fun sort of tone of voice with genuine moments of hope, you know. Not to compare this to another title that came out this month, and, you know, maybe Keith will battle me on this, I don't know. But Marvel Zombies Resurrection came back this month. And when I read Marvel Zombies Resurrection, I really dug it. I thought it was a cool first issue, but there was zero humor to it. And it was so depressing, and I know it's an end of the world zombie tale and all the rest, but deceased is as well, and deceased has moments of levity and lots of humor. And I think that's why I yeah, pref- there's I think that's why I prefer it if that makes sense.
2: No, I was just gonna say there's something about Tom Taylor that he he just brings those like little pockets of light and humanity to like I think everything he does and even like the um is it was an injustice he does. Yeah. And he did a long time ago. It's certainly the same in that. you know that he he just he has this uncanny ability to sort of to focus on the very human aspects of it and brings bring this like element of humor to you know this bleak end of the world kind of scenario. So I think that's probably uh, probably what he's made for.
1: I think you're exactly right. But you know in what you're saying, I think it's a product of the it's a product of the writer. so philip Philip Kennedy Johnson, the the guy who is writing, marvel zombies resurrection is the same guy who writes the last god for dc yeah. uh, and that is a dark dark book <laughs> um, so i can see why you know you're you, you know why that way marvel zombies resurrection is is like that but i think as well as that i think those moments of levity and moments of humanity that tom taylor puts into dead planet make dark moments in dead planet even more shocking oh absolutely uh, Absolutely. You know, so that even more of a contrast. So, so no, I'm not going to... I mean, I enjoyed Resurrection as well. Um, it's definitely not up to the original superhero zombie book, which is Marvel Zombies uh, by Robert Kirkman, um, which Deceased owes an awful lot to as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I loved it. I loved this issue. Issue 2 was fantastic. So please continue, Mr. Taylor. Well, that's it. I mean, it's what's good about it is it is humor,
0: but it's not like stupid belly laugh humor as you say it's moments of levity that show the humanity and in a weird way the joy that you're actually still alive as opposed to one of the mindless horde i suppose but but yeah even on the flip side of that as well even the hopeful moments can prove fleeting you know traditionally in any end of the world scenario you know the emergence of a cure is like a big moment it's like uh we we've solved it guys we've cured it we're gonna you know set the world back to the way it was but in this issue for example he actually twists this and instead the heroes actually realize how many of their friends and comrades they have killed that if they had just kept alive and maybe you know imprisoned or been able to hold in some way they could have brought them back so it even so even in that moment of we found a cure they they reflect almost on the sadness of it as well you know and it's it just makes the characters you know it just humanizes the heroes i think you know it's a small but powerful moment and you know it, it, again it's just a testament to how much that tom Taylor can just like flick a switch and go from you know one thing to another um with deceased dead planet two you know there's a great focus on the shadow pact in this issue so john constantine you've got blue devil zatanna detective chimp ragman red hood and ravager so again he does some of his best work using quote lesser characters um you know, their fate in this issue is one of the standout moments for me in comics this year. Uh, it must have been so much fun for Trevor Harrison to Ooh. draw. <laughs> you know, it's uh, you know it's a beautiful issue the whole way through. You know, I think Trevor, Trevor Harrison's art, I have to say, at the beginning, it wasn't massively detailed. And it, I liked it, but I didn't love it. But the more he comes through this, the more he's, you know, refining his craft and just getting better and better, I think. And the last maybe four or five pages of this must have been so much fun to draw. You know, he really brings his A game. And there's, there's a moment in it later. I'm not going to spoil too much. I know we, I know I should have said up front with this podcast. I always forget spoilers, of course. But, you know, I, we don't want to spoil everything with the issues. But there's a moment later on in this that actually reminded me of Star Wars, of all things. And it's a moment where there's... So, so the, in this issue, they end up going to Australia. And they're there at the behest of Swamp Thing, and they get to this place which is called the Australian Bunker. It's described as a garden screaming for help, surrounded by a ring of fire, a moat of blood, and a few thousand undead. So many layers of dread, like some kind of horror cake. But as they're approaching and getting closer, it reminded me of the point in Star Wars where they go, That's no moon. You know, <laughs> in this, it's like the blood moat, it's shifting, it's not blood. What? It's not blood, it's... And then you turn the page. And all I'll say be. is, it's Plastic Man. And the way this character is used in this issue is absolutely incredible. It is horrific, but funny, but scary. And yeah, it may be my favorite ever use of Plastic Man ever in a comic book, uh,
1: uh, I have to say. So there's a, there's, a, there's a huge element of, of body horror, yeah. Uh I think there that really gave me the gave me the shivers like it was it was oh, oh horrendous. Just horrendous, you know, when the the first sight of a like an undead plastic man and what that might what that might be, what that might look like. Yeah, how it uh, might be utilized, you know. It's it might, yeah, oh absolutely. There were there were a, you know, obviously that was that was a big a big moment, a big ending moment and uh, and that but I thought the start was equally uh sort of Tom Taylor, you know, that just, you were saying, Roddy, that, that lady of that humanity, you have, uh, you have Roy Harper, Arsenal, you know, very often, the, very often the sidekick, very often, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's like, like hockey, he's not, he's not powered, you know, he's, he's a guy who's very, very good with arrows, he's a bit of a screw up, you know, as well in the, in the DC universe, he was, he's never quite recovered from some of his early, uh, his early things, but you can see in, in Dead Planet here, he has, he has found his moment. He's a protector of these people, these kids. You know, he's found his pride there. He's found his his uh, his raison d'être, uh, and it doesn't last very long for Perroy. And that was just a that was just a moment of uh, just, and that's even before the the story really begins proper. So it was just, but then that that uh, that levity is is in there. I just love I love John Constantine. You know, Swamp Thing just appears behind him at random, you know, growing out of the ground, and says, John Constantine. And Constantine just goes, bloody hell! (laughs) He goes, I need to talk to you about a garden. He goes, look, I'm sure you have something fascinating to say about gardens, mate, about plants, Uh, but I'm kind of in the middle of fighting the undead here. Maybe we can wait in the botany?
0: (laughs) And then Swamp Thing basically uses his powers to take care Uh of the undead, and then is like, can we now talk? Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just for me, overall, just an absolutely stellar issue, again. And for me anyway, deceased continues to be one of DC's very best series. It's it's one of our biggest pulls in store. It it's the source of a little bit of frustration at the moment because issue three still hasn't made it this side of the world. Uh again, it's it's to do with shipping problems with diamond and so forth. Not gonna go on another diamond rant. Uh but it's just frustrating waiting for it because this was such a great issue. So uh for me anyway, 5th of August, I thought this was the standout issue. And that was deceased, dead planet number two, Roddy. You need to get reading deceased.
1: Yeah, do
2: all right. <laughs> uh, that night sounds great.
1: What was your uh, what was your your honourable there? So for the fifth of August, honourable mention. I'll just take
0: a deep breath before saying its title: <clears throat> Dark Knight's Death Metal Legends of the Dark Knight number one. <sighs> right there we go. So silly, <laughs> lo- silly so long pro. title aside, uh, this was the first of the death metal tie-ins. Uh, This was an anthology format, so Roddy, you would have loved it. Uh, Six individual stories of, I I would say, a varying quality. But I think when they were good, they were very good. Uh, There were two standout stories for me. One was by the team of Peter J. Tomasi and Riley Rossmo. And it was an origin story for The Robin King. Uh, The storyline was called uh, King of Pain. This was flat-out horror, hint of dark humor terrifying creation in the robin king lots of horror moments this was the main reason i recommended people picking up you know it's you know we talk about it being the dark side of the comic industry sometimes but this was very much a speculation issue as well in the way that teen titans 12 was the first appearance of the batman who laughs and metal one this was the first appearance of this character but aside from that i thought it was a really really good story the other standout for me was Frank Thierry and Francesco Francavia collaborated on a story called This Man, This City, and it involved satanic rituals, which aided Batman in literally becoming Gotham City. It was an original and brilliantly executed idea. I thought the artwork was incredible. I mean, Francovia continues to be one of my favorite artists. I absolutely adore the guy's art. Uh, the other stories were generally cool. I mean, there was, there was good stuff with... Snyder and Tony Daniel at the start going through the Batman Who Laughs journey in metal and there was also a really cool story at the end with Garth Ennis and baby Batman is all I'll say but yeah it was it was a really really strong issue it's you know the the metal tie-ins are a a bit of a a bit of a sore point for some people some people included in this podcast as well (laughs) because some of them they do come across as essential you know it's there's definitely one a couple uh, couple issues on that came out recently called Trinity Crisis and it was so essential it was unreal. And even Snyder came out on Twitter and said, This will be recapped in issue four, but I do think you need this. And if it's that essential, it should it should be in the main title. You know, you shouldn't you know, I know Keith only picked this one up because I sort of recommended him to, but certainly there's other comic stores out there who I'm sure don't read everything the way we do, and maybe don't recommend things, and then people do miss out. And then it also became the subject, obviously of a of a ridiculous amount of speculation, where comic stores were selling it above cover price, and you know I got my high horse about that as well, and and mm. so forth. But yeah, I mean, what did you think of it, Keith? I mean, I I know you picked it up on my recommendation,
1: which is never a bad thing, Alan. I have to say, um, try my yeah, best. It wouldn't wouldn't be the first time, and it won't be the last. Um, for me, the the, the important story in it was The Darkest Night and uh, I Am Here by Snyder, James Tinney and Joshua Williamson uh, with Tony A.S. Daniel on, on art because to me that was that was the story that was fairly critical to what's going on in death metal. Um, I, I mean, I'm not terribly interested in the Robin King, who he is or what his origin is. Uh, the B-Rex thing was a wee bit of a funny you know The B-Rex thing. is a
0: strange one because originally that B-Rex story was going to be written by Warren Ellis and oh, then obviously nah. what happened with Warren Ellis happened. I remember someone putting out a tweet saying two-page uh, Batman Rex story by Warren Ellis. Give him the Eisner now. And then it suddenly became a two-page uh, Batman Rex story by Marguerite Bennett. And I wonder how much of it was changed. Mm-hmm. You know, I wonder if yep. they
1: maybe just said,
0: just polish the script a little bit and we'll put your name on it. I don't uh, know
1: you're right this man this city was a real interesting story the castle bat one you know uh, the fact that you know batman became the city sort of thing had a real hammer Uh,
0: horror vibe to it as well which i really liked you know
1: uh, yeah the other two take our leave sort of thing but yeah i think that 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 i am here that the story about the darkest night and and that was that's you you find out really where the, the 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 bruce wayne dr manhattan thing came from you know so Uh, so yeah I mean I'm glad I picked it up I'm glad I picked it up Um, there are a couple of uh, as you rightly say I mean uh, it just goes against my idea of what a what a limited series should be you know I don't know I feel like there was certainly that first story was fairly critical to the to the ongoing you know core miniseries and therefore should probably have been featured there Um, but uh, I'm glad I picked it up that's good I can relax then. (laughs) <laughs> cool
0: um, yeah I mean I as I say I was I, I like anthology stories the best of times and you know I, I sort of treat these ones as elseworld stories and you know different takes on established legends so to speak so yeah I, I dug it it wasn't as I said quite my pick of the week but definitely worth an honorable mention so uh, for the 5th of August then those were my two picks the Seastead Planet 2 for pick of the week and then Dark Knight's Death Metal Legends of the Dark Knights number one for my honorable mention roddy what have you got for us for the 5th of august
2: nice um yes so i my pick was maybe maybe more necessity than uh quality although that's that sounds a bit negative towards the book but my pick is horizon zero dawn issue number one which was it's been one of my favorite video games of the past couple of years certainly one of the most gorgeous action-packed and story-driven games that i've ever played um but yeah i was really looking forward to this when it was first announced and this is from titan comics uh written by the game writer Anne tool illustrated by Anne molina colors by brian valenza and letters by jim campbell so this one um set pretty much in the world of horizon i really like the layout of the book it started off with um couple of little character details, and it gave you a little introduction to the world of Horizon, which is sort of after a thousand years after a global cataclysm, Earth has been remade into a lush, thriving ecosystem, but with a new dominant spe- species. The machines, which are sort of machines that are made to look like, you know, T-Rexes, massive giraffe looking things, saber tooth, all inspired by the old world. Um, And obviously there's a new generation of humans that live in sort of tribes without the knowledge of the doomed civilization that preceded them. But yeah, this one, I was really looking forward to it. And I thought the artwork is absolutely stunning in the book. Um, And Molina has done fantastic work really immersive but it was really sort of let down a little bit with the story. I thought there wasn't really much going on to, especially the way the game just immerses you in the first couple of, basically the first couple of minutes and introduces you to Aloy and Aloy is sort of like a background player in this. It's a bit weird. There's um sort of like a fan favourite character Talana Khan Padish is the main character in this and there's There's some nice action in it, but I thought the characterization is a bit bland for lack of a better term, but I'm going to stick with it. Issue two was interesting too. So certainly one to stick with. Um, I thought it didn't really feel essential to me. There is Titan did a really good Bloodborne series um, by Alice Cott, And I can't remember who the artist was off the top of my head. Um, but yeah it felt essential to the game world but um, this this Horizon book it didn't feel essential it felt maybe tacked on and that was a little bit disappointing to me but um, yeah I'm going to stick with it and see where it goes because it felt you know breezy and that's maybe not something I would say for the actual game itself so yeah I'm hoping it picks up There's certainly there's certainly quality there but I felt like there was maybe going to be a lot more lore and sort of deeper cuts in this first issue, but it, it just kind of amounted to like, an, a very pretty couple of action sequences. So did you read this one, Keith?
1: Yeah, I did, Rory. And this is the, this is the book that Alan was referring to that is your pick that I have, uh, oh, that I have right. cut uh, this, this week uh, after issue two. So um, I was really interested in it as well uh, to the point that I, uh, i asked alan and he kindly hunted down the free comic book day um horizon zero dawn i have played the game i haven't finished it yet roddy i haven't played enough of it uh, but i really really enjoyed it i really loved the setting uh i really loved as i say that immersiveness of it and uh, that mix of of uh you know post-apocalyptic yet somehow historical cultures uh, you know, and the, the, those mechanical dinosaurs, you know, and all of that that good stuff. Um, I uh, Because of the way I play games, I tend to get really into something for three or four weeks and then work will take over or I'll have something else to do. And when it comes to the likes of, you know, reading comics or, or, or doing a lot of other things, you know, my, my PlayStation is sort of at the bottom of a list of a lot of things I enjoy. And so it tends to get knocked off the bottom the first. Um, and so I was playing the game and then I stopped playing it and then I think I didn't touch the the game system for like six months and then Red Dead Redemption came out and then that's all she wrote <laughs> you know um but i I totally agree with everything you're saying um that breeziness that uh, I, I, the art was is fantastic, but I just the story the writing just was not getting me, there was nothing in it to get my teeth into. Um, and you know, I gave it, I thought, I thought, okay, first issue. And then I got the second issue and it was kind of the same. And I I wasn't really terribly caring about any of the characters. And I just thought, you know what, there's, you know, I've got a lot on my pull list and I gave this a chance. And I mean, I'm a big fan of what Titan are doing with, with Blade Runner. It's the best use maybe of a, a license that I've seen maybe aside from Firefly, in a long time, so Titan have the, the they have the ability to do it, and I just I just sorry uh, I just it's it's yeah, you're, sti- you're it's, sticking with it, I'm um, I'm not. I'm gonna
2: stick with the, uh, it, yeah, cause it's it's strange because it's the writer of the game, but I I felt like the you didn't really get a sense of the world. It was just like really interesting art, but the this beautiful setting you didn't really get. You get you get Ooh. a bit of lush jungle, but it's never you it's don't a lot really of grass. see a lot of the machine. You don't really see a lot of the machines they spend the most of the time hunting and I thought thought there was going to be a bit more you know lore The lore in the game
1: is fantastic yeah, yeah, I was it like is. I wanted it a is. bit more yeah. of that
2: you know Yeah yeah but uh, yeah. Yeah. the other
1: thing I was trying not to do is I was I was avoiding a lot of the uh, the side matter uh, because I'm very carefully I don't want to spoil the game for myself and I know this is set after ah. the game, so. Uh, mm-hmm. But but I think everything you say applies to exactly what I was thinking. I've just sort of, I've just taken what the same the same things you said and just gone, nah, not for me. You know. So, but keep me keep me apprised. It'll be really interesting to see how it develops, and if it does okay, develop, yeah. maybe I'll pick it up again. You know. Maybe it'll be maybe it'll
2: reappear as a pick of the week. I did I did sort of trickies in the. You know, making it a pick of the week here, but you know we're so positive. Some sometimes, you know, there's we can we could put in a little bit of criticism.
0: No, Roddy, let's keep it it's all, all positive here. It's let's keep good. it all positive.
2: Trixie, <laughs> <laughs> Trixie, Roddy, <laughs> <laughs> Trixie, Hobbit.
0: Um, what's, yeah, your, I mean, uh, what's your What's your honourable, Roddy? Oh no, sorry, right. Oh, no, you, you're you no, no, just what Horizon Zero done. I was going to say I've never played the game or read it, so. Uh, I'm sorry, dear listener, I have nothing to offer here. Roddy, what was your (laughs) honourable? Thanks for your input. (laughs) You are welcome. But I will input one thing. It was uh, Pieter Kowalski was the artist on Bloodborne. Yes. An artist artist I'm a fan of.
2: fantastic too. artist
0: I'm a fan of because of an image series called uh, Sex, with him and Joe Casey. Very, very good. Uh, Ah, Yeah. But anyway, so what awesome. we'll, we'll uh, yeah. is your honourable pick for this week? Then your honourable mention. Honourable mention,
2: and I'm pretty sure nobody is reading it. Is Narcos number three, which is the it's like the little series that could it, it <laughs> sort of took forever to come out the first one, and then I think the first two two came out and then it took it was solicited like about a year ago. Then it took ages for the first one to come out. And then after the second one, coronavirus hit, so the third one was delayed. Um, but yeah, the third third one's fantastic. It's um, it's like a little undiscovered gem. This uh, narco series, I'd really recommend it to anyone. What's the gist of it, Roddy? Yeah, it's, it basically, it's sort of like, a, in the same way as Horizon Zero Dawn should be like this really good side quest to the game the comic should be narcos is like a really good sort of little tie-in and i know you're watching the series so i don't really well i'm through it i'm I'm through
1: it yeah i'm I'm through it and narcos mexico that's why i'm asking
2: yeah and in fact (laughs) (laughs)
1: i've managed to get through uh narcos and narcos mexico in between number two and number three being released
2: nice <laughs> but yeah, it's um so there's sort of like there's little ties to the tv show um but it's like a couple of new characters basically but it's really good told really well by um ryan ferrier um but it reminds me of something like uh there's a tv show called quarry um which is a sort of brilliant vietnam story And then there is titan also did a comic called quarry's war which was uh, i think it was like a three or four issue miniseries and it was utterly brilliant and it just it came from nowhere and it's like these kind of shows and comics that i feel like nobody's really reading and i feel really bad because i thought i kind of think idw were like this this is going to be a big big license for us or something and it just never really went that way, but the and certainly, definitely, once once the trade's out, it's definitely worth a read. It's a great we uh, sort of cartel crime story, if you like something like you know Sicario or Narcos itself. You know, uh, yeah. not a lot of people are watching Narcos too, so hopefully, if we get more Narcos as well,
1: but it's certainly nice.
2: worth picking up, Keith.
1: Cool. Um, I don't know how I don't know how easy the first two issues are to get now if they were released.
0: Yeah, the first well, one I was, was the, man to the, talk to the first one, it feels like it was released about two years ago, but uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I can certainly look into it for you. Uh, wouldn't be a problem. I almost get the feeling that you should have had those switched around, Roddy. I almost feel like your pick of the week should have been Narcos, and your honorable mention should have been Horizon Zero Dawn.
2: Well, I I just knew because nobody's reading Narcos, so I was like, I'm not going to talk about it for like 10 minutes, <laughs> and I was like, Keith has at least read Horizon, so. That's a like fair we could point. go
0: for that. Such a giving guy, always. Yep. No worries. That's it. Cool. So that's fifth of August for Roddy. Then, so a pick of the week was Horizon Zero Dawn, and honorable mention for Narcos number three. How about you, Keith? What are we? Uh, what were you enjoying the
1: most on the fifth of August? Uh, what I was most enjoying was Firepower by Robert Kirkman and Chris Samney. Uh, oh, yes. We're all reading this, aren't we? Oh yes. Yes. Oh man, what a what a story! So, uh, issues issues one and two were released in in August, um, and so the way the way Kirkman has released this is he released the the Firepower original graphic novel, the prelude, uh, and and you know now he's released issues one and two. So, um, in the in the prelude, uh, Owen Johnson, who is our hero, um, journeyed to China to learn about his his birth parents. And that led him to a mysterious Shaolin temple. Um, he was mentored in a kind of Kung Fu by, by an eccentric uh, master called uh, Wei Lun. And the students were studying to rediscover the legendary firepower, um, which is the lost art of uh, of throwing Hadoukens from uh, from Street Fighter, um, effectively throwing fireballs. Um, Owen learned uh, about his parents' allegiance to the treacherous... Scorched Earth clan uh, who seek to release the dragon confined at the Shaolin temple uh, upon the world. And towards the end of the OGN, the Scorched Earth clan returned to attack the temple and Owen unleashed the first fireball seen in a thousand years. So that was the, the sort of the OGN. The story in issue one begins 15 years later. Owen has returned to the U.S. to raise a family, live a normal life. But... We soon realise that his past has has followed him home. So we're we're introduced to, to reintroduced to Owen fifteen years later. He's now a family man. Um, he's married to Kelly. They have a, a daughter, a teenage daughter, Haley, and uh, and uh, a, a young son, Doug, and uh, a dog called Peanut Butter. Um, lives I, in Saint Louis. I do
0: wonder if that's a reference to BoJack Horseman. <laughs> there's a char- There's a dog character in BoJack Horseman called Mister Peanut Butter. Right, that,
1: that might just be well robert kirkman wouldn't surprise me wouldn't surprise me so uh so obviously owen has has left the the temple of weilun and behind and uh you know we're, we're introduced to his whole family his mom and dad we're introduced to his career you know he's a he, he works in um in uh old furniture you know restoring old furniture that sort of thing uh and we don't really you don't really see much of a sniff of of his old skills and his old martial arts until uh, his wife realizes that they're they're they've got no hot dog buns and he, he his daughter offers to race him down to the, the grocery uh, store. And uh, she's quite keen to, to beat him eventually, you know, but uh, Owen, you know, he's hopping over, she's running straight and he's hopping over fences and hopping up trees and, and, and sort of beats him. But, but anyway, uh, at, at the store, Owen is, is accosted by uh, a face from the original graphic novel, um, his old, uh, his old foe, his old bully, uh, who goes by the name of, uh, Mag Wong. And Maguang has, uh, has come to St. Louis to, to ask Owen to, uh, to meet him, uh, to, to, to meet him at midnight. He's got something he needs to tell him. Hasn't seen this guy in 15 years. So it's a bit of a thing, you know, when shaking, um, you know, goes through the emotions, we're introduced to the characters. And, uh, we see that, the that the, the, garden part of their heaven has been watched by a, by a ninja in the tree. Uh, so Owen goes out later on to meet uh, Ma Guang and we're, we're introduced to a lot of the, the backstory, you know, the, the, the fill in from the 15 year gap. Um, Wei Lun, who the, the the sensei is is gone from the temple uh, and uh, nobody knows where he's, you know, Ma Guang doesn't know where he's abandoned them. Um, the, they need Owen to return to the temple because if the Scorched Earth clan attack again, they, they can't defend themselves. Uh, and we see that there's something going on with the, uh, the man who was uh, Wai Loon's second in command, a guy named Chow Feng, um, who, who was the, the the head of the, I guess, the the army or the, you know, the fighters. Um, you know, it, it, it seems that Owen suspects that Chow Feng killed Ling Zan, who was Owen's lover at the temple uh, and fellow student. Uh, and so so he's not, you know, and, and and we find out that everybody at the temple thinks that it was Owen that killed her because, you know, she was her body was burnt whenever they found her. Uh we have the first fight scene of firepower takes place. It's absolutely fantastic. And we see that Owen, uh, even fifteen years later, still has his martial arts skills. And I love how I mean Chris Samney, you know, he knows he, he's written Daredevil, he's drawn Daredevil. He knows how to draw martial arts. You know, he knows how to draw fight scenes, physical fight scenes, and it's really fantastic and and we see that he still has the has the firepower. And we also see that despite the fact that 15 years ago maguong was was the the bully he's he's grown up he's changed and and he knows that he knows that owen didn't kill uh, ling ling uh, ling zan and uh, and, uh, and there's a bit of a brotherhood there but still owen's not going back so um you know this the story the story moves on uh you know in issue 2 we pick up with a, i don't know if you've read issue 2 yet Roddy, have you
2: Oh, I have. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, uh, there was a. I'm there's a mostly, a mostly a mostly. They were
2: the same. They were the same day, weren't
1: they? They were. Yeah, they absolutely were. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, they were released in the same. Yeah, so the uh, the reason that I thought about you is the mostly silent fight scene that takes up most of issue two, which of course reminds you of <laughs> the
2: GI Joe silent issue number twenty one, which we oh. talked about last time even even the design of the ninjas is awesome i yeah. i absolutely adored the book when i because i i didn't have it on the pull list i wasn't too sure um but yeah absolutely fantastic completely it did all the stuff we kind of wanted the horizon zero dawn number one book to yes. do. it had it had stakes which was the most important thing and in the prelude, you you were used to the characters, but even in the first issue, it sort of it got you reaccustomed to them. It gave you the stakes, it gave you the drama, it gave you backstory, it gave you motivations, it gave you all these things. And then Chris Samney, like he adds something to the story when he draws, and it's the same with was it Matt Wilson he does the colors as well? Yeah, He's yeah, mm-hmm. done a lot of colors everywhere. All most. You know, probably a lot of the books we certainly talk about here. Um, it's utterly gorgeous and is obviously inspired by, you know, I'm sure Robert Kirkman's grown up in a whole lot of martial arts films and oh, TV a, shows. Yeah, and it certainly a, shows.
1: Yeah, for sure. There's definitely a sniff of uh, of Kung Fu The Legend Continues and uh The Chambers of Shaolin and, and a lot of a lot of stuff. So I totally get it. But what he's done is, you know. The 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 surrounding characters, the supporting characters are really fully formed. I mean, um, Kelly, uh, the wife, you know Owen's wife. She's a cop and a very very capable individual. You know that uh, that silent fight scene is so good. You know it it starts in in Owen and Kelly's bedroom and. You know, Owen is fighting these ninjas, and he he fights them out of the bedroom without waking Kelly. And then he's in the Haley's bedroom, and he manages to get them in there and out of there without waking her. And then he's in the dog's bedroom <laughs> on stage. You know, he knocks the bed and and the dinosaur that the kid is cuddling falls out of bed. And before, after, after Owen knocks the ninjas out of the room. You know, silently he just he he back kicks the dinosaur back into his son's arms again. <laughs> it's just so good, and just the the set pieces are are great. You know, and then of course the 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 silent. It's almost like he's a, just a dad and he doesn't want to wake his family. <laughs> you know, he doesn't want them involved in this side of his life, uh, despite the fact it becomes quite clear that 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 Kelly knows everything. You know, uh, but but that fight is finished whenever Peanut Butter, who's been a very very good dog. Wakes up and sees and tutors in the home and barks and then wakes everybody. And next thing, Kelly appears with a shotgun. And and we find out that the whole thing has been staged by Ma Gong to to, uh, to try and, and, and get Owen back. But, you know, Owen just will not. His mistrust of Chow Feng, his bitterness about the whole thing, uh, you know, the, the belief that, that Chow Feng has killed Ling Zan. He still agrees. He won't agree to return. He's vested in his own life. Whether or not him not returning to the temple may, may, may cause the end of the world there's like a you know the release of this dragon or whatever whatever evil is going to happen you know there's this disconnect between Owen's life now and Owen's life 15 years ago almost like it's a fantasy it's a story he's read or he's written um you know but anyway regardless there's a wee bit of a there's a wee bit of a give because alongside his his wife he agrees to start retraining his children who you know in martial arts just in case they need to defend themselves so this i think this is going to be a bit of a family drama you know what I mean? The whole family are going to be martial arts experts, <laughs> um, you know, but there's a lovely uh, there's a lovely um cliffhanger at the end of issue two, which we'll, we'll not go into. But I just love this book. I love what Kirkman's doing. I love the the there's a, a couple of pages at the back of each issue where he and Sam, they interview each other about the creative process and, you know, what they've done. And you just kind of go, it goes to show that, you know, even when someone like Kirkman puts something down in the page, he's not necessarily, you know, he maybe goes after it's published, maybe a week later, he's like, oh, I wish I'd done it differently, or he's gone, you know, they're talking about, you know, Samney's talking about the fact that that Kirkman keeps making him draw cons, you know, Converse shoes, baseball boots, and he's like, I hate drawing those boots, but you put them in everybody, you know? <laughs> and Kirkman's like, yes, I do. <laughs> you know, so it's, what are your thoughts on this, Alan?
0: Well, I mean, with Firepower, they, they got us early on because we were fortunate enough to receive that advance copy of the prelude graphic novel and then i i read it i knew this would be totally up both your streets so we sort of passed it around the group if you will and yeah i mean it's obviously with the walking dead coming to an end it's great to see kirkman jump on to another ongoing and the main thing i say about firepower to everyone is that it's it's not really like anything else on the shelves you know it, it it's very distinct and as as anyone who listens to us before knows, I, I'm a big fan of Samney's Daredevil run. I have always loved that art style. I think it suits this down to the ground, brilliantly paced. Little undercurrent of humor. I I, I love the whole barbecue scene at the start of uh, issue it's, one
1: as well. It, it, just when you're talking about the pacing, and, and I think it, it really so. I mean, this started with what the 156 page graphic novel. Yep. you know the original graphic novel and kirkman is saying that he is having trouble or is is enjoying given this room to breathe you know and not in the same we were talking about the breeziness of, of of horizon zero dawn it's not that yeah it's that it's that room to breathe it's those scenes with him and his family and the garden party they have in a double page spread and just the wee you know in the background sam he's obviously got uh, got um pam who is owen's mom having a wee slice of smoke whenever she's not supposed to have you know, and and just that that giving it that room to breathe, and that that room gives you time to get associated and attached, even to the background characters, you know, the supporting characters. It's, it's I I feel like I, I now two issues in, I have a stake in one's life, you know. I mean, I really love him because he's a he's a he's a martial artist, you know, so that's right up my street, you know. He's, uh, but he's yeah, it's it's so good, and that I just hope they keep that pacing, that that easy, let it breathe sort of pacing. Well, that's that's what happens when you create good characters. You just want to
0: spend time in their company. It doesn't always have to advance the story, as you say. It's it's sometimes all about those little character moments that just give depth. And, you know, you almost look forward to catching up with those characters and seeing what they're up to this month sort of thing. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's been a bit of a slow burner in store. It's one we certainly talked about quite a bit, and it's one that I recommend to a lot of people. And more and more people are jumping on, and we're consistently getting the graphics back in stock. And... You know what? It is an unusual way to get someone into a comic. In a way, you know, it's you know you need to buy this graphic first, and then we've held back some of the free comic book day issues just in case. And so, it it Um, is an interesting way. But one thing I do really like about it as well is that, and Kirkman did this with Oblivion Song as well, is that it had a massive print run. So you could come to this six months after it's come out. The first prints of issue one will still be in stock. Did a huge print run. Doesn't want another Walking Dead scenario where. Issue one is stupidly priced, and you know new people can't get into it. So, no, I I I love this issue. It's um, or this title, I should say. This is one of my favorite indie titles at the moment. It goes very close to the top of the pile every new release day. So,
1: totally agree. Totally agree. It's just there's you know from the the OGN right three issue one and two. I'm just I'm dying for issue three. It's it's one of my top one of my top titles at the minute. You well,
0: know, it should be in that lovely pile of yours that you have in the house i believe it is yes i believe it is (laughs) and yeah it picks up directly from that great cliffhanger you talk about so issue three is is a strong contender to be back on our reviews podcast not too uh distant future (laughs) i would imagine cool well that was obviously your pick of the week what have we got for an honorable mention that week
1: i got a wee uh a wee dc honorable mention for you um strange adventures number four of 12 Tom uh mitch jared's and uh, doc shanner's um uh maxi series uh, about well nominally about adam strange but more specifically about the idea of of truth versus entertaining fiction um i think just i think i think uh issue four this is where this has really hit its stride um i i haven't struggled with the first three issues but i have sort of uh you know i know it's good i'm just not sure why it's good um is it a case of bad
2: news for me i jumped off it
0: (laughs) is it is it a case of and i would agree with this to a point is it a case of you read it you enjoy it while you read it but then you put it down you don't really think about it
1: yeah well maybe maybe i mean i'm i'm really i'm invested in the concept i'm invested in the idea of um You know the fact. So the 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 gist of it is: Adam Strange, uh, the the great white hero of Ran. He's a human adventurer, superhero, has come to Ran, has has led the armies of Ran against uh, against the Picts. Um, And it's about the fact that the winners write history. You know, and you know there there appears to be a Pict invasion possibly coming to Earth. And um, there's a lot of lot of things happening, but it's really about you know Adam Adam Strange has done something. Uh, that the 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 truth of what has happened, you know, is is going to come out, and you know, it's it's set against the propaganda that Adam's wife, who is from Iran Alana, is sort of spreading here on Earth as well. You know, so I can see what what Tom King is doing, and the idea of the idea of colonialism, the idea of that, just as we said, that great white hero, you know, and and it's particularly relevant right now, you know, against the backdrop of of looking at colonialism from today's point of view and, and the idea of uh, erecting statues to, to people who, you know, weren't great people or were doing things that at the time were uh, were passable, but now are problematic. You know what I mean? So it's all about that sort of thing. So I, that's why it's really, really got me. But why this, <laughs> why this issue really, really, why I really enjoyed this specifically and way it sticks out to me is because of mr terrific uh i have never seen mr terrific written quite as spectacularly and as well uh, as tom king writes in this issue he does three or four really awesome things so mr terrific has gone to ram in order to investigate uh adam strange's actions and the war against the picts and those actions and so forth and so on and and just to get to the bottom of it you know and uh and so the, the set against there's there's a couple of storylines going on here, but effectively Mr. Triffitt gets to Ran and is told that he has full access to everything. Now everything we see on Ran is is very light and white and and open and breezy and sorry I use that term again, i maybe not what I'm looking for, but very uh, you know it's it's almost like they're saying yeah come on in Mr. Terrific, we'll tell you everything you know. But immediately as he arrives, they say you know she said the, the girl that greets him says I should I should note the Ranian files are fully available in English, however we are unable to arrange the translation of many of the Pict documents. Uh, well, at the risk of sounding less than modern, the rather barbaric language of the Picts is beyond the comprehension of even our most advanced machines, which immediately sends up alarm bells, not just for Mr Terrific, but for me, where you're going, all right, so you want you want me to read your side of the story, but not their side of the story? Okay, so, you know, but of course, uh, it's really interesting, you know, Mr Terrific goes through the... Uh, he goes through the the documents and uh, and then he goes to the, the the librarian. He says, "Okay, can I get the Pictian doc, the Pict the documents and picked please?" Wondering if he can help me. And uh, the guy says, "No, well, there's no point. We can't translate them." And Mister Terrific's like, "I speak Picked, Taught it to myself on the trip over. I'll translate them for you if you want. <laughs> <laughs> Just let me see the documents, you know." So it's like, what, you know? So then there's another class uh, class moment where uh, where Mister Terrific is pulled up. Actually, he's attacked by a special forces team in his bed. He's in his bed, and they they appear with you know laser sights, and uh, he effectively wipes wipes them out. You know, he's more like, you shouldn't point those guns at me. I don't like it. People pointing guns at me. You know, which is, you know, I I don't know. There's definitely there's definitely something there as well. You know, where this you know this 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 black guy is surrounded by by colonialists uh, with pointing guns at him, and he effectively just. Takes them down, you know. But then, as a result of that, uh, he gets into a little, uh, a little bit of a problem with um, Sardath, who is Alana's father. And uh, <laughs> he asks him some difficult questions, and Sardath slaps Mister Terrific, <laughs> and Mister Terrific hands him right back. <laughs> this is the this is the the chief scientist, you know, the head the head dude, you know, the chief administrator, and he's like, "You Earthman, you dare touch me!" And uh, Mister Terrific says, "You hit me, I hit you." what the fuck do you think fair play means? <laughs> Which is, of course, what Mr. Terrific wears down the side of his jacket. So, yeah, that was why, uh, that was why issue four of that really stood out against against all the others. So, uh, I don't know if it was a, the right decision to jump off this or not, Roddy. Um, I think there's a lot in here for you to appreciate.
2: Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's not for me. It's sort of... It's- feels like all the themes i would sort of really enjoy but
3: mm. for
2: whatever reason i did i just struggle with it it just the first couple of issues just gave me a headache like i i couldn't take the back and forth and it sort of felt to me it was you know like this weird mix of an indie book but with dc heroes no i just a struggle like um i think we probably talked about in the mr miracle one a uh, struggle with a bit of tom king like but uh, I'll, I'll hopefully get in trade. might be a bit of an easier read. But Fair, certainly, yeah, yeah. Like, I enjoy I enjoy, like hearing about it.
1: Like
2: um, I'm like, oh, did I do the right thing when I hear you talk about it? But,
1: it's, uh, I mean, there are things in it that maybe, Alan, you have a better handle on. You know, the, the whole idea of the Zeta the, the zeta beam that, that seems to randomly and regularly beam Adam Strange back and forth between Ran and Earth. And there, there seems to be a bit of a, there's a wee bit of, obviously, switching of time periods. As well we're seeing a lot of the this the memories or stories of, of what adam strange did during the war seemingly from his or alana's point of view and then you have to ask yourself you know this is from their point of view how, how accurate is this you know there's three sides to every story yeah. their side the other side and the truth you know so it's it's uh, yeah anyway it's
0: it's very much a slow burner of a title because i'm i'm glad to hear you're you're digging it now because issue five has a very strong possibility of being pick of the week when we get on to our next podcast because issue five it's a title that's getting better with every issue Mm -hmm. i I was a little like yourself at the start where i was always enjoying it and i felt there was something about it but it's not like i was dying to chat to people about it or or that kind of thing but yeah yeah it seems to be getting better with every issue for me and it is weird that you drop this, Roddy. I think this is totally up your street. It's it's that slow burn <laughs> yeah, <it's> character <laughs> storytelling with interesting, relevant themes. But as you say, it may read be better as a trade. You know, I I fully yeah, yeah. believe Mister Miracle reads better as a trade than it ever did in single issues, as an example. And I I believe that Tom King's Batman run is better enjoyed in trade format than than single issues. So uh, it, it is interesting from that point of view. But, mm. but yeah, I'm glad to see you're enjoying it, Keith. It's always nice to see a wee DC pick on there, you know. I have to <laughs> say.
1: It.
0: Happens every so often. It does. So, cool. That was Keith's picks then for the 5th of August. So we had the pick of the week being two issues, of course, because Keith has to bend the rules. Uh, well, they were, they were <laughs> released on the same day. So were 18 other titles for you that day. <laughs> Nice try. Uh, But anyway, so yeah, Keith's picks of the week. uh, So Firepower number one and two, and then an honourable mention for Strange Adventures four. So that's going to bring us on to the 12th of August then. So same format again. So for me, I have one indie and one Marvel for this week. For my pick of the week, you'll be none too surprised to hear it's a Tom Taylor written story. Uh, I promise this is the last mention of Tom Taylor this podcast. Well, probably. Uh, So this is Seven Secrets number one. So written by Tom Taylor, art by Danielle DiNicullo. So Seven Secrets is an original creator-owned story by Taylor. Obviously, he does a lot of his uh, big work uh, with the big two. But this is something creator-owned along with the artist uh, Danielle DiNicullo. Now, that's an artist I'm not overly familiar with. Uh, I believe he's done some work for Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Pink. uh, Mirror's Edge is another one. But it's definitely a name I'll be keeping an eye out for the future. I mean, we always talk about following creators and, and work that you enjoy and seeing what they move on to next. It shouldn't be a surprise that this was a great issue. One, it is published by Boom Studios, after all. Uh, they continue to knock it out of the park. You know, once in future, something is killing the children. You know, Alienated, you know, the, the list goes on and on. They're just knocking it out of the park with new original titles. All you really need to know about Seven Secrets going in, I, again, I don't want to spoil too much, but all you need to know is that it's about an order dedicated to keeping the Seven Secrets safe. And the Seven Secrets are essentially uh, secrets that could either reshape or destroy the world. So the members of this order, they're all highly skilled, they're highly trained, and they dedicate their lives just to this purpose. So it's essentially a noble life. It's a, this is our... Our set purpose in life nothing else takes precedent we are here to protect those seven secrets we live we die we pass that on to someone else
1: the other critical thing there alan is that is that the protectors of the secrets come in pairs one is a protector and one is a carrier yeah isn't that right yeah and what
0: happens when that protector and carrier fall in love essentially Mm -hmm. so you know love is forbidden in this uh scenario but what happens you know if forbidden love occurs within the order and also that love leaves leads to the birth of a child. You know, with, with Seven Secrets, it's an interesting one. There are some structural similarities to a title that we enjoy and talk about a lot, a Saga. You know, it's forbidden love from two different sides that shouldn't exist. It's a child, the product of that love. Even the narration device is clearly the child talking about their parents, which is something used to
1: great effect in, in Saga. I did not pick that up. Well, th- I did not. I didn't pick up the. I, I picked up the 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 kid narrating. I picked up the forbidden love. I did not make the connection to saga with well them. But but this is the thing.
0: I mean, it, the the reason for that, I think, is because it manages to feel fresh and new. You know, the structure may be similar, but the setting and mythology could not be more different. Obviously, saga is set among the stars. Seven secrets feels like a an old tale from years ago in long forgotten Italy or something like that. You know, it has a very European feel to it, which is one of the reasons I really dig this title as well. And, and just like Saga with Fiona Staples being such a great artist on that. I think Dina Colu's work elevates this title even higher. You know, it's fast paced, it's action paced. It's it's almost manga esque in its, uh, in its art style. Mm -hmm. And I think, Special mention also goes to Walter uh, Biamonte and Katia Renali, who do colors, and Ed Dukeshire's letters. You know, everything meshes together brilliantly. And if you look at all the nationalities of the people who work on this, I think that's why it has that multicultural, almost European feel to it. Uh, you know, and then that last page, you know, Tom Taylor, he continues to break our hearts with, you know, yeah. brilliant characterization. It's something we talk about, maybe me more than most, but it's something we talk about all the time, efficiency of storytelling. Tom Keen manages to introduce an entire mythology in this, brand new characters, give them enough distinct personality that you feel like a punch at the end of issue one, when what happens happens, you know, brilliant bastard, you know, I I can't say more (laughs) than that sometimes, you know uh seven secrets to me it's just it's essential it's it's up to a third printing already before issue two has even come out uh we've got uh second prints and third prints in the store i think i might still have a first print as well issue two is actually yeah. out this week love this absolutely loved it uh what about you Blew guys me away.
2: yeah utterly i think you said it all to be honest i i was kind of waiting to jump in there with the european vibe <laughs> You know, like, it, he got me.
0: even when um, I was writing my notes about a European feel to it, I was like, Roddy will appreciate this note, you know.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely felt it felt uh, very multicultural. There was I got a bit of bond in there, you know, kind of moved about and um, got a really nice Mateo Scalera variant from yourself. So it's pretty chuffed with that. Um Yeah, it was awesome. I love I like, I like your uh, manga kind of comparison because yeah. i kind of noticed there was a lot of smaller condensed panels it was told in really sort of unique layouts and structure i was really intrigued by that and you know yeah anything tom taylor does is awesome and even even the way the characters are drawn is a bit there's a something a bit manga-esque there yeah but yeah, yeah loved it can't wait for number two
1: what about, uh, about, about you, you? Keith? I yeah. oh, yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, I totally agree with you. I think this was just a standout book. Um, I mean, no no surprise given that it's Tom Taylor, but it's very different from from anything that I've read from him before. Uh, definitely got that, uh, like a yeah, like a wee bit of a a wee bit of a spy James Bondy type, born type thing going on, but with a a mix of um, God something. Uh, what were all those books that everybody was into back in the day about the religious, um, oh, angels and demons and stuff, angels and demons and all that crap. It Had an Assassin's uh, Creed
0: type feel to me. Yeah, as well. yeah,
1: and uh, you know that's where the that European sort of side comes in, and uh, I definitely there's a there's a touch of there, just exactly what you were saying about that touch of manga and the and the art. I really liked uh, I really liked the characters Sigurd and Eva. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm I'm really interested in learning more about. I mean i I guess the kid is going to be our main character uh somewhere along the line um but yeah just exactly what you say there was a whole lot introduced here um you could you could read it again and again and get a couple of new things out of it each time but really looking forward to issue two yeah great choice alan great choice well that's it i mean that that's why again we, we
0: we do recommend if you enjoy creators follow them because as you say this is very different to anything tom taylor's done before you know you compare it to Injustice or to Friendly Neighbourhood Spider-Man or to Deceased. This is a complete left turn from all of that and just shows (laughs) that he understands basic storytelling and does it with such style. And yeah, as I say, I'll be really keeping an an eye out for that artist, Daniel DiNicullo, because I think the artwork is exceptional in it. And I think it's interesting we're talking about the page layouts there, Roddy, because I just had a little flick through it there and I think every single page is
1: different. Mm, the action scenes are fantastic yeah. you know those the speed you're getting from those uh long narrow panels on the motorbikes and all of that sort of stuff you know but i mean boom studios does it again yep no i mean
0: that's, consistently that's knock, knocking it out incredible. of the park incredible
1: our boom the new image discuss and our <laughs> and our image
0: the new big two discuss uh yeah <laughs> so that was seven secrets number one again guys i can't recommend it enough uh number two out this week We've got extra copies of it coming in and we still have the number one. So if that sounds good to you, let us know. We, we can certainly get you sorted on that if you missed out. So that was my pick of the week. My honorable mention goes to a Marvel title, which is Hawkeye Freefall number five. This is written by Matthew Rosenberg and art by Otto Schmidt. You know, talking about fast paced and full of charm with seven secrets, we get the exact same thing with this. And, and to be honest, this was an unexpected return to print for Hawkeye Freefall. You know, Hawkeye's the Hawkeye Free Falls. a title we talked about plenty before, recommended a lot, and unfortunately, it was originally one of those victims of Marvel moving multiple series to digital to close out their runs, just as a result of COVID. And it, it, it always frustrated me. I mean, I know it hit you harder than most, Keith. Just like all the recent <laughs> cancellations. Just.
1: <Yeah. laughs> but just uh just uh, yeah just uh, it was i mean I, I know there are more serious things to worry about but it was just like why why are you haunting me
0: targeting you but but hawkeye freefall was the one where i was like this is such a great mini series it was announced the 6 issues just close it out so so i was delighted to see that it uh was brought back to print to to close up the run and hawkeye freefall for me it's probably I started writing this note down and then I had to, you know, correct myself at the end. You'll probably appreciate this, but uh, Hawkeye Freefall for me, it's probably the closest title Marvel is putting out that's like an old school noir movie. Brackets aside from the aptly named spider-man noir of course
1: (laughs) which is all noir movie which
0: is all noir movie but yeah i mean hawkeye freefall you know it's heroes repeatedly knocked down but keeps coming back for more moral ambiguity actions that are as close to the edge as possible and sometimes in danger of tipping over the edge you know the list goes on undercover work all this kind of stuff and for me this is the perfect way to utilize hawkeye you know he's He's not a guy who's going to go out and save the world, you know, using his superpowers. He'll certainly aid a team, but he's not the main guy. But that doesn't mean he can't be an interesting character and do some good. And you've got this noirish type setup, but also because it's Matthew Rosenberg, there's always heart and humor to it as well. Uh, issue five, as well, I should say, it also sported two great guest stars, uh, and it's almost worth it just mm-hmm. for the way those three interact.
1: I think you I think you're, you're short selling Hawkeye there a wee bit on. Um, <laughs> he's one of my favourite Marvel characters, as you might expect. Um, and uh, he, I mean, he's he, he he does his thing. Don't forget, Hawkeye was was trained in combat and tactics by by Cap. You know, he's uh, he may not have a have a, a massive power set or anything like that, but uh, I mean, he's you know, he's he's always up there you know shoulder to shoulder with gods and futurists and super soldiers you know and there's a reason for that uh for sure so uh he's he's saved the world once or twice himself (laughs) um don't you worry but i think this is a i think this is a great spiritual sequel to you know your favorite run on hockey
0: yeah the fraction Uh, run
1: yeah i think it's i think it, it nearly follows on directly um I think issue five is only topped by issue six, which came out, um, which came out last week, uh, and I really enjoyed it. That finished out the story, but it's just you know it's a story about the this rivalry between between Clint and the Hood and uh, the various things that Clint is doing to get to to stick it to the Hood. Really, you know, and uh, it really he really goes into he really goes into some detail with what he's doing. But the other thing that I really liked about this is a lot of writers uh, miss. Or, or don't notice or don't realize or don't know enough about Hawkeye to know that that hockey is hard of hearing he's partially deaf and he wears he wears hearing aids at all times now uh you know it's nice it's just and that has an impact on the story and it's nice to, it's just nice to see that i think um you know it's a rosenberg has done his has done his research uh but yeah just great great book love it love it were you on this roddy confession time so when it
2: got cancelled well not cancelled but when they they said they weren't bringing it back may have stuck some issues up on ebay but i did read and pay for five and six digitally so i think i'm gonna get the graphic novel just to kind of be like smooth it over but uh, i didn't think it was coming back so i was kind of like annoyed at them so i was just like ah get away it makes sense um, yeah like now it makes sense five. why we have extra it issues does, of five and six in
0: store. It all makes sense now, buddy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> just sitting there. Uh, if only someone will get them. <laughs> yeah. Um. It was five and five and six are both great. Um. I. I really enjoyed them, but when yeah, I was pretty gutted when I heard they were bringing it back. Yeah. Uh, the, just, uh, the, the, it's just one of those ones.
0: The complete opposite reaction to me and Keith, oh, I was pretty gutted when I heard it was coming back. Keith and I were like,
2: yes, it's coming back. Fantastic. <laughs> just that, that twinge of guilt. I was like, oh, no. Well,
0: it's, it is interesting because I wanted to finish it off as well. And I genuinely didn't think it was coming back in any way. I yeah. I didn't see that decision being yeah. reversed, but I just can't do digital comics. I I just can't. I've tried. And aside from maybe the odd, aside from the odd advance review copy that, you know, people are nice enough to send us. I just can't read digital comics. I just, anyway, we'll get on that later. But yeah, Hawkeye Freefall for me is, as Keith said, obviously it's, it's very closely linked to that great Matt Fraction run. And I suppose maybe I am selling Hawkeye short, but I suppose what I would say is if someone came to me and said, what's a really good Hawkeye story? These are the ones I would go for, from my experience, rather than those other big world-building-y team-up stories, that kind of thing. But maybe that's more to do with my knowledge of the character than anything. But these two runs, and the Hawkeye Freefall especially, I think this will make an awesome trade when it comes out. So, great stuff. Um, yeah, so those were my two choices for the 12th of August. Uh, as I say, Seven Secrets number one is Pick of the Week, and Hawkeye Freefall 5 as my Honourable Mention So how about yourself, Roddy? What did 12th of August hold for you?
2: All right, 12th of August had issue two of The Amazing Spider-Man Sin's Rising story arc, which is issue number 46 of Nick Spencer and various artists, Amazing Spider-Man run. Oh my God, I'm loving this series. So we've basically got Nick Spencer uh, is the writer, Roberto Poggi is the inker, Daniel Curiel is the colorist, and Joe PCs Joe Caramagna Caramagna is the letterer, and uh, Marcelo Ferreira is the penciler, and boy oh boy, imagine, this is just what I kind of thought when I was reading it, because Mark Bagley did the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, imagine somebody comes to you and it's like, oh, here, can you fill in my shift? And it's like, you know, you you don't when you fill in a shift, you're just you're just there. You're a body to make it up. But oh, my God. Ferreira, it just this is a guy to look out for the amount of stunning work he does in this book. I am I am excited to see where his career goes Um, how he depicts the Sin Eater and the carnage involved in this book. It's absolutely phenomenal. He brings, he draws the Sin Eater as a serious threat. um, And there's so much going on. Every panel seems to be like an action sequence in this book. Mm -hmm. I really just was blown away by it. Um, Second issue where things are sort of taking hold and we see where it's We see where a lot of things are going. It concerns uh, last issue, Spider-Man, he the Sin Eater appeared from nowhere, sort of brought back to life and set loose from hell, wasn't he? And he sort of... um, I think it says he's leveled up from the lunatic cop he once was. Oh, and yeah. now he's basically trying to take over, uh, New York. And he's, he's sort of winning the appeal of the, the New Yorkers.
1: That's much the to spider chagrin Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: That's, I mean, that's it. I and, mean, this is just what you say, Roddy, the, the action. I mean, the panels are just full of action. You know, you can, you could spend five minutes looking around an individual panel, even one of the wee ones, you know, never mind the full page spreads. And, uh, it's, uh, I guess, the story that the Lethal Legion uh, attacked the Empire State University, and, which is Spidey's old campus, and uh, they're trying to grant Neferia, grant Neferia, who's a, an old Marvel villain, uh, immortality through uh, through a device there. And obviously these guys, the Lethal Legion, don't know that they're just uh, issue two of uh, Sins Rising and that, uh, <laughs> that Sin Eater is the, is the big bad. But it's just what you say. I mean, how they the the weight of the weight of history, I think is what does it for Sidney here. You know, he's just a dude in a in a green ballyclava and a purple a purple top and and trousers. You know, with a with a shotgun. But Jesus, he's he's threatening. Terrifying. Yeah, he's yeah, absolutely terrifying. I, it's
2: the combination of what they've done, and it's it's this is Nick Spencer's run through and through. It's just uh, like resurrecting all these classic characters, and you know, these deep cuts, and just. Making them tying them in, it's tying that history, that amazing history that Spider-Man has, and just putting it into this run, which has been spectacular. Mike, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> just it's, uh, Spider-Man fun.
1: <laughs> it's uh, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, um, that just continued um, darkness, Roddy. You know, the fact that that you know, again, i just amazed that the just this the flip, the switch has flipped top, just from light to dark. Rest. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's um. <laughs>
2: Oh, the uh, the only thing I was kind of interested in that I've seen a few reviews be like, oh, but what about Kindred? Where where does that fit into it? So uh, I'm interested Wait. to see where it goes. But this Wait. this has been like an incredible tapestry so far. So we'll see. We'll get through this, and then we'll see where it goes.
1: They, uh, I mean, I guess that that tapestry is fairly complete, and that Kindred is has granted. Uh, Sin eater, the power that he has. So mm. Kindred has 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 pulled Sin eater from hell effectively and set him back in the world and given him a mission. So, so this is all this is all coming through. I mean, I'm <laughs> just exactly you know, Sin eater is or Kindred is is resurrecting all these old villains and as you say these historical deep cuts, but just makes me more and more interested in who Kindred is you know, mm-hmm. uh, despite the fact his presence is felt, if not seen. It's just, you know, that, um, that scene, Roddy, where uh, you know, the, the Sin Eater takes down the Lethal Legion with his shotgun, and of course he's he's stealing their powers and and, and, and leaving their guilt, you know, and, and maximizing that is what he's doing. He's not killing them, but but the, the, the bystanders think he is, and they're clapping for him, you know, yeah, because yes. he's ending and the lives that he's villain. That's, you know, there's there's definitely a social commentary in there somewhere. Um, yeah, not too, not too deep either. Um, but yeah, yeah. Are you reading Amazing Spider-Man
0: on or? I'll be honest. I jumped off it a few issues ago, just before it seems <laughs> to have got ridiculously amazing, uh, as everyone has been talking about it since. I wasn't too enamoured with the 2099 stuff. I loved Hunted. I thought Hunted was mm-hmm. was fantastic. Yep. And then 2099 sort of yeah, started to lose yeah, me that's... and. And then it was just, you know, as as you both know, you know, you're reading so much, you some sometimes cut the odd one off here. But uh, I think I will get back into it for this sins rising stuff because I've heard nothing, not just from you guys, but I've heard nothing but really, really positive things yeah. about this.
2: I think I felt the same way about twenty ninety nine, and it was it was maybe the the mistake of I got all the time so I maybe should have just stuck with <laughs> the characters I really liked because I was like oh this is gonna be this is gonna be mind-blowing this 2099 stuff and then it kind of the main story was good but then I think it was all the other side stories I was like what what have I done <laughs> so maybe I feel I understand your burnout there
1: yeah but it's a good thing you're in a comic store Alan and you should be able to uh to source the last couple of issues pretty pretty handily. Well, this is very true but I mean I
0: I don't know. I'm I'm kind of enjoying reading Spidey and trades right now. You know, obviously, i recently picked up the Straczynski run with John Romita Jr. art, and I really, really enjoyed that. So, I mean, Spidey's one of those characters. I mean, it, it's obviously Spidey for you, Keith. Batman for me. I'll I'll never give up reading Batman single issues, but I'll happily jump on to a few sort of Spidey trades. So I'll maybe hold off and and hit it for trade and and see how it would go. Although. With this week being a zero Marvel week, maybe I'll just fill that with, uh, you know, a couple of issues of Amazing <laughs> Spider-Man from the yeah, good call, the back call. issue section. Although I do have all of Empire to read, so mm-hmm.
2: we'll see. <laughs> um, cool. Yep. Yeah, meant so. to say as well. a Particular shout out to uh, is it Casanova's does the cover of this one too? It's gorgeous.
1: Oh yeah. Yep. It
2: is.
0: Yep. So twelfth of August.
2: That's gorgeous is the
0: name. Oh, I definitely have to leave that <laughs> in. I won't be cutting that joke. And that was Roddy's pick for twelfth of August. Amazing Spider Man <laughs> number forty six. And your honorable mention goes to opens the envelope. Something is killing the children number
2: nine.
0: Sorry, what, God what, this series. What is title? Also... What was the title? Sorry.
2: Well I don't want to burst anyone's eardrums, so something is killing the children. Hold on,
0: actually, I'll get a guest <laughs> I'll I'll get a guest star to announce the title. So your 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 honourable mention was for a Boom series horror based. Uh, what's it called?
1: Something is killing the children.
0: There we go. <laughs> v- Vicky does love to announce that title. Uh, I believe this is issue n- nine, Roddy.
2: Yes, issue nine of the awesome. We're back to Boom Studios again. James Tenny in the fourth. there Delidara. Michael Muerto um yeah this is awesome and there's a lot of backstory in this one this, this was um, the origin
0: issue wasn't it uh, this
2: was yeah,
0: the erica slaughter um, origin yeah
2: blew me Great away stuff. erica slaughter origin new hero's journey just like she share is it she shares the backstory with um was it james to mm-hmm. to sort of help help Beat the monsters almost. Um, and it was just, it was gorgeous to see there's a lot of vulnerability in the issue. and But Della Dara's art, he he has that knack for drawing these brutal creatures, but he also draws beautiful, sympathetic characters too. They've got the big eyes and Erica looks like really intriguing character. And then you've got James with the glasses. Just a really great series. And I loved... Um, there was a lot of, you know, futility in this issue, and it feels like everything is just at the end, and they don't really know how to deal with everything that's happening in this this book. And it feels like it's a nightmare full of like claustrophobia, just taking them over. It was, and
1: uh, you know, it was, there's
2: they can't deal with it.
1: Yeah, I mean, there was Sorry, a while there that there was a way there that Erica seemed to almost have it under control. And that was obviously just the end of the first act, (laughs) because it is by no means under control, and it just seems to be, it just seems to be spinning out now. You know, Um, I'm really glad we got an answer to uh, to the question of the octopus.
2: Oh yeah, that's right,
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, So I'm I'm glad that that sort of, I mean, it does it 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 explains what what it is. The fact that
2: it's, I felt. From the very first couple of issues, they've always done a great job of like raising more questions, but they do answer quite a few in the next issue. You know, mm-hmm. I really do appreciate mm-hmm. that. There's always there's always a cliffhanger, but then there's they do answer things.
0: Yeah, they sort of throw out one or two more questions, but answer one, so it it answers just yeah, enough that you're like, la- yeah, it answers just enough that you think, oh, they're just making this up as they go they do give you answers but they always throw out some extra ones it's interesting that issue nine is an honorable mention because issue 10 could be a pick of the week material (laughs) very much so issue 10 is probably the biggest what the issue so far uh for multiple reasons many great moments in it so uh i'm sure that will be talked about on a future one But, uh, yeah, cool. So that is Roddy's honorable mention then for the 12th of August, which was Something is Killing the Children, number nine. Uh, Okay, Mr. Miller, on to yourself. What are your picks on 12th of August?
1: Uh, My pick for the 12th of August is a little bit of a strange one. It's a free comic book day issue, which has led to me spending quite a lot of money. (laughs) So... uh, it was uh, obviously free comic book day was a wee bit different this year. It was a wee bit more distributed across the weeks and, uh, and, uh, coffee and heroes have had, uh, a bunch of, of different free comic books sitting variously throughout the week. So this one is uh, free comic book day. Hillbilly, the lizard of rusty Creek cave by Eric Powell, um, from Albatross funny books. And it says there are many tales of Rondell, the wandering hillbilly, but this one is free. Um, so, uh, just I have never read anything like this before. Um, the closest I could say I came was maybe um, uh, well, Rocky, uh, Big Rock, Big Rock Candy Mountain, a uh, Rock Candy Mountain rather. Uh, that uh, about the hobos. So this, this is the story, uh, the continuing story, or, or or a tale of of Rondell the wandering hillbilly, who a, a tale I had never read before, and it. It, uh, it effectively is the story of this uh, this this mountain village, uh, you know, in 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 America. Uh, but it, you know, and it, every year they 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 tie a virgin up outside uh, outside Rusty Creek Cave for the dragon, uh, in order that uh, the harvest the harvest will be bountiful and so forth and so on and uh, and that. But uh, this particular year. Um, this particular year, there's a there's another young girl who, uh, who was the bed Geraldine, um, who was the the best friend of Darlene, who was the girl who was sacrificed, and um, she says that just ain't right. She was my best friend. Now she's gone, and uh, this is whenever the slightly stranger elements of the story sort of come in uh, with this talking possum that everybody in the village seems to accept as just a talking possum and it's explaining that that's the way of the world, girl, you know, and that's all, so forth and so on. But anyway, she's, she's away, uh, she's away, she goes off to the river to cry at the death of her best friend and the the villagers don't seem to understand because the harvest is going to be bountiful and the possum comes with her and in there and he's trying to calm her down and explain that the village elders know best and that's whenever James Stone Turner turns up. James Stone Turner is uh, an old black guy, uh, a wizard uh, wearing a Wearing a floppy hat carrying a staff and uh you know so what you're sort of getting by this stage sort of the, the art is very much sepia toned and black and white there's a real you know there's a real mythical element to this a real fairy tale sort of a sort of a feel to it with this talking possum and this wizard turning up and anyway the wizard says geraldine you know i'm the wizard james stone turner uh what's your situation be quick as i'm on an errand uh, of my own and can't dally and she says the village is under the sway of a serpent and a right fierce one at that. And they offer up one of the young'uns every year annually and, and they won't lift a finger to stop it. And, you know, the James Stoner says, he will say, listen, uh, you go on up the cleft, up this here cleft in the valley until you come to a tall mountain with a fork peak atop it. You can't miss it. Now, you climb up that mountain on the westerly side and up there you'll find a man by the name of Rondell. And the, the possum says, Rondell, the tear-stained wonder, wielder of the devil's cleaver? You know, the possum says, note, the possum says. um, So anyway, she goes off to find Rondell and uh, he's, uh, he's this, this bearded, uh, bearded hillbilly. And he's, uh, he's, he's sitting outside his cabin beside what appears to be a dragon skull. And uh, she entreaties him anyway. And uh, he goes and gears up and uh, with his, with his devil's cleaver and uh, which appears to be a, a cleaver that, that came from hell itself and uh, the only person apart from himself who can wield it is, uh, is the devil himself and it can cut through anything sort of thing so anyway uh, on the way they uh, they encounter Gary the troll who is Rondell's nearest neighbour uh, it seems that Gary the troll uh, has at some stage stolen a pie uh, from, from Rondell's Rondell's window and as a result Rondell chopped off his hand and now now Gary uh, has gone to get his cousin Cecil. who's a much bigger troll. Uh, and that doesn't end well um, at all. And eventually they get to the they get to the Serpent's Hole, the, the Dragon's Hole, and uh, and the adventure continues continues from there. And a real a real folk uh sort of lessons learned, uh, and uh, sort of a way. It's uh, it's it's so good. Um, I've never read any of Eric Powell's stuff before. I understand that uh, he is uh, the writer, uh, the creator of the goon. Um, uh,
0: isn't that correct, Alan? Yeah, the Goon's something I very much enjoy, but I've never actually read any of uh, Hillbilly. so I must do something about that.
1: Um so it's just it's just the writing is phenomenal. the the art is unbelievable, Roddy. Um, I think <laughs> I think you'd really. You'd really love it, uh, and it's it just it yeah. exists, you know. It exists in this place somewhere between reality and and fantasy, you know. Uh, that just the place that just in that place that stories come from, you know. Uh, that mm-hmm. fairy tales come from, and uh, and it just you know whenever it finishes, it says there are many tales of Rondell the wandering hillbilly. This is but one, you know. So <laughs> uh, so I immediately got on to Alan and said. So obviously it's a free comic book day issue. So the idea is to let you know what else is out there. There are four volumes of uh, of the adventures of Rondel, the, the wandering hillbilly, and I have now ordered all four uh, volume one to three, and then uh, volume four red eyed witchery from beyond. And I am on the lookout this fall as the little goblin in the corner says for the three issue mini series, hillbilly, the twisted deals of 12 toe Maggie. Now I understand that has now been re uh, that has now been retitled The Twisted Treason of Twelve Tool Maggie. Um, but uh, yeah I just I just loved this. I absolutely loved it. So Free
0: Comic Book Day has worked its magic on you. You pick up a free comic and you're suddenly buying four
1: volumes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I am I'm what this was made for, but I'm so glad I discovered this. Uh, <laughs> I just
2: so that's I think that's a really cool feeling. Like you can still do that in the modern the modern day. You can still Find something you have no real concept or knowledge of, and just
1: yeah.
2: dive headfirst into it. It's great.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's something about that that hobo, the romanticism of that hobo, that wandering life that I that really appeals to me. I watched uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou again for probably the fiftieth time this week. Uh, uh, you oh, know, and, and
2: what th- a film.
1: yeah, I mean, to some to some degree, this this book exists in that same space. If you know what I mean. You know that 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 space that just doesn't. But yeah, really, really enjoyable. Um, so I'll uh, if you haven't got a hold of this or if you can't get a hold of it, Roddy, I'll, uh, I'll certainly fire it to you.
2: Was it was it called the Lizard of Rusty Creek or Lusty Creek Cave?
1: Uh, it 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 says on the cover Rusty Creek Cave, uh, but I think <laughs> I think in the there is story... a tremendous
2: typo in our uh, notes.
1: Well, I'm just looking through it's the story. Sort of <laughs> it could be Rusty Creek or Lusty, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, it, it's, I think it's Rusty That's, Creek Cave. Yeah. Although
0: Lusty Creek Cave sounds interesting as well. So, yeah, it's uh, it's it's always good as well. I mean, obviously we talk a lot about new titles that come out this week and so forth. So it's, it's always really cool to see that a free comic book day issue is, you know, enjoyed enough to be a, a pick of the week. What was your honourable mention for this week then?
1: Well, uh, a book that Roddy and I uh, have both been reading uh, came to came to an end. Um, uh, the The book was an aftershock book, um, another another uh, publisher that keeps coming up. Um, and the book was called "Undone by Blood" or "The Shadow of a Wanted Man" by Lonnie Nadler and Zach Thompson. Um, was a book that I got into because Roddy introduced me to it in the first issue, uh, and I immediately went back and went, "Alan, oh, I don't need a copy of that." Um, so uh, issue four and five come out in the same day, if I recall. Uh, one was delayed, and uh, so it, 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 the the story is. Were I you guess, undone by diamond there? I think we were undone by diamond. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, <laughs> The story is is a story. Uh, it's it's set in the the two part story. The first part is set in the in the seventies, and it's very much a revenge tale. And then the backdrop of the story is the the penny the penny the dime novel that uh, that Ethel, who is the the hero of the story or certainly the protagonist of the story, is reading, uh, which is a, a cowboy book about uh, a cowboy called Solomon Eaton, Solomon Eaton, who himself is on a mission of a mission of revenge and i guess to the 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 crux of it is that um ethel has returned to to this town and and down in arizona which you know is that the 70s it definitely has that dirty uh 70s revenge um you know death wish sort of feel about it um Mm. and you know, Ethel's family were murdered uh, back in nineteen a few years ago in nineteen seventy. and uh, and she's gone down to pursue revenge. and she's she's quickly discovering that the justice of the old West that she glorifies through the book that she's reading, that uh, that revenge that she's chasing uh, isn't quite as glorious as 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 you know fiction and and cowboy thrillers make out. Uh, it's, it's you know she's been she's been after one thing after another she's learning that no one can be trusted it's you know which is a lesson that her that her uh, her hero Saul Eaton has already learned in his book um and uh you know it's great she's she's up against a whole pile of trouble as they say at the same time as Saul Eaton is up against a whole pile of trouble uh only his is probably going to end gloriously in the way that old west stories do and hers probably isn't um you know so it's it it just was it was such a fantastic story so so dark and gritty and 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 hard as she approaches the truth about the man who murdered her family and yeah what did you reckon
2: there's there's like a real bleakness to it that i find like a real sort of i don't know lack of humanity to it you know there's uh, was it Sweet, Sweetwater is the place it's called? Sweetwater, um,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. beautifully,
2: and Sammy Cavella, the artist, just absolutely mind-blowing stuff from him. Um, and Jason Wardy does the colours too. Um, yeah, I loved how I, it's just like, obviously we've got a lot of sort of those neo- noir westerns kind of popping up, but this one still feels very unique. Um, it's a very visceral Book very I, I loved it. I thought it was yeah. um the ending was fantastic too.
1: It was and um, I must thank yeah, you for the and, introduction to it, Roddy.
2: Oh, you're very welcome. That's what that's what the podcast is all about, isn't
1: it? <laughs> yeah. So absolutely. there was a bit of
2: news about this.
1: Uh, well there's there was a couple of bits of news. The first thing is that the series will there's a sequel set for next year called uh, Undone by Blood or The Other Side of Eden, uh, which is going to continue Saul Eaton's story but moves the other half of the story to the Great Depression to tell a story of an immigrant in Texas who's got his own reasons to set things right by violence, uh, apparently. So so it is getting a sequel. But the other piece of news you're talking about, Roddy, um, is that uh, that uh, uh, Norman Reedus of Walking Dead fame, uh, Darrell, uh, he has inked a, a first look deal with AMC Studios for his own uh, production company which i think is called big bald head productions um and he's already lined up an adaptation of undone by blood uh in which i guess he's probably likely to star as well as executive producing so uh so yeah uh you're you'll hopefully see this televised in some form or other do you think
2: do you think he would be soul Eaton?
1: would he be soul Eaton or would he be uh would he be one of the bad guys or would he be the father I, i don't know Saul Eaton, maybe, yeah, yeah, okay. I don't know.
2: I don't know. Uh, were you reading it, Alan?
1: No,
0: I haven't. It's it's another one of those Aftershock ones that Aftershock titles can sometimes be hard to get once they've been out for sort of a couple of weeks or a month. You know, Aftershock, like a lot of indie ones, they don't tend to do a lot of sort of second printings and third printings and so forth. So it's one that I do have pre-ordered for trades for the store, but also one for myself, because I know you two speak very highly of it, so... I will definitely jump on to it
1: <clears throat> a little later than expected. now um, certainly, uh, I'm certainly willing to to loan you those issues, Alan, for sure. Um, what did you think of of Ethel as a as a protagonist, Roddy? Ah, oh, she was awesome.
2: Yeah, um, it's uh, hard to talk about, like, without. But uh, yeah, I'd I'd love how it just started off. It starts off as a very You think it's a simple revenge tale, but um, she's almost a blank canvas at the start, taking on, you know, Saul Eaton's sort of personality, trying to get this revenge. But um, as she progresses through the issues, just there's so much growth there, and you kind of feel for her towards the end, getting into all these horrible situations in Sweetwater.
1: Yeah, she's a wee bit... uh... She, there, there was definitely a sniff of Terminator about her as well. She just wouldn't stop; <laughs> she just <laughs> kept going, like you know. Uh, regardless, I mean, she obviously, she did
2: have the Sigourney Weaver Alien Three uh, shaved head.
1: Yeah, she did, and she, uh, you know, she just—it was obviously the the drive came from the want for revenge on her, of her fa- for her family, you know, and it just, yeah, just it was, yeah, I mean, revenge. Revenge never. What do they? What do they say about about revenge? You know, whenever you're, you you seek revenge, dig two holes. You know, <laughs> definitely, definitely had that. Uh, definitely had that. Had that feel about it, didn't it?
2: Mm-mm. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'll, as I say, I'll definitely jump onto when I hits trade. You know, the last time you guys highly recommended something that I wasn't reading was Conan, so I think I can trust your combined opinion on this. So, uh, yeah. Cool. So that was Keith once again flooding the rules and picking two issues for his uh, honourable mention. Nine
2: <laughs> nine no, 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 no. Wasn't his fault this time. I'm going to stick up for him. <laughs> so
3: That's that was
0: uh, undone by blood number four <laughs> and five as the honourable mention for 12th of August. So that brings us on to the third week in August. I hope you're still with us at this point because there's so much good stuff still to come on ahead. Nineteenth of August was another great release week. There was a title this week that I read that became my pick of the week. That I just kept saying to these guys over and over. Have you read it yet? Have you read it yet? Have you read it yet? And that was my pick of the week. And that was Once and Future Number Ten. Um. So this is a title we've talked about plenty of times before. It's probably been pick of the week at least two or three times at this point. You know, we we consistently recommend it. We. Recommended issue seven on a previews podcast as a jumping on point after the first trade was released. So this is uh, the brainchild of Kieran Gillen as writer, Dan Mora uh, on art, and Tamara Vaughan villain on colours. I have to credit her, one, because it's such a great name, and two, because the colours are such an intricate part of this story. So, issue ten. You've both read it, Yes.
1: Oh, yes. And you were not wrong in in petitioning us to do so. You have read it also,
0: already, yes? Yes. So I can refer to this... Spoilers, skip forward 15 seconds if you have not read this. I can refer to this as the hot fuzz issue. <laughs>
1: yes, you can. Oh my god, what a moment.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> I would also like to refer to this issue as the issue where this creative team has peaked. Uh, what an issue. Uh, I even i even used the store account to tweet the creative team and i told them all to retire i i just said look guys it's 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 only downhill from here like this this is it can't get any better than this this issue the grendel attacks a nursing home more specifically bridget's nursing home what more do you need to know uh <laughs> What's great about this issue for me? It's it's all about how Karen Gillan builds tension. You know, this issue is almost like it's like an old school horror movie. You know, it pulls that classic trope of you know a monster slowly coming for an unsuspecting victim, and the hero who's desperately running to try and save them and trying to get there on time. But he pulls it off. Well, the whole team pulls it off with confidence and aplomb and just absolute brilliance. You know, Duncan, the main character, he. He continues to play an almost reluctant hero role. You know, I especially enjoy there's a part in it where he's trying to get to the nursing home. His Uber has failed him. Uh, it cancelled, of course. We've all felt that frustration. And he gets a taxi to pull over. And the taxi driver's like, no, I can't take you there. That's too far out of my way. Uh, oh, my wife will kill me if I don't come home. And Duncan sort of goes, oh, God, I'm learning. And then he pulls a gun on him and says, you got to get out of the car. <laughs> I need your car. Um, I'd mentioned earlier we we were talking about other characters that were some of the best characters of this year in comics. Bridget is one of those characters, you know, Bridget who is oh
2: absolutely Duncan's
0: grandmother. Um, so when this issue kicks off, she may be that unsuspecting victim, but she's no damsel in distress. Once she knows something is up, she acts, and you know, some of the dialogue is incredible. You know. When she's first talking to the uh, the sort of nurse at the front desk and she's she's sort of peering behind the desk and going, don't suppose you keep a gun around here anywhere, Jack? And he's like, Bridget. Ah, just my little joke. Can we pop along to the kitchen? Uh, what for exactly? A snack. Oh, you sweet worrying thing. The excursion just left me peckish. <laughs> I missed dinner do you think I'm looking around for a nice big knife or something? Uh, I'll fix you a sandwich, just let me answer this, and bang, and then the Grendel attacks. <laughs> and the, the nurse is like, please get the... Ah, don't be a ninny. They'll make an awful mess of everything. <laughs> Are you absolutely sure about that not having a gun thing? <laughs> was,
1: the the dialogue between between Bridget and, and some of the other residents is, uh, is fantastic. You know, whenever... Whenever the Grendel's getting close and the, you know, the reality starts to to warp a little bit and you, they're seeing there's these bubbles sort of appear in the in the air, you know, and uh, one of the old guys is like, what's going on? What's going on? Am I having a stroke? <laughs> <laughs> She's like, no, we can all see it. Don't worry. I'll just go sort it out. You know? it's uh...
0: <laughs> Yeah, the dialogue uh, the whole way through it is excellent. So it is. I mean, I especially, especially enjoyed as well the part where they're in the kitchen and the nurse is like, forget it. What are you? You know. You know. Even he is in awe of Bridget. You know, as she's you know putting things together, and she's like, probably best you don't know. You know. But what what's really cool about this issue for me was that despite her obvious sort of triple A character status, there's real peril. I think in this issue. When I first read this, I actually wondered was this going to be the end for Bridget?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't. Uh, yeah. I, I don't get the impression that she's indestructible. I don't, you know, she's yeah. not one of those Mary Sue characters Betty means, despite the fact she is uh effective. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
2: And and that's it, it. kinda I mean... gave me the feeling No, go ahead. Go ahead, all, all yours, Roddy. No, no,
0: after you. No, no, I've man... I have much right. more to say on this. Believe me.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's kind of interesting the way you say like you felt like it might be the end of Bridget, but it it gave me the feeling that this is this might be I could be wrong, but it feels like once in future could be go for a long, long time. this it made me feel like this story has that long-term potential, like and I hope kind of boom, stick with it because it feels like there's a lot there's a lot of story here to tell, and there's certainly a talented team to tell it. And hopefully Bridget is a vital part of that. but it would be very easy, certainly
0: from a story point of view to have that be. The driving force that keeps duncan doing it you know what i mean like this Mm. this Mm. second arc began with his almost annoyance at his grandmother and he you know pushed himself away from her but then when she's in peril he comes back to her but you know i I hate to say it but it could be a motivating factor for him moving forward of honoring her legacy and i really don't want that to happen because i don't want her to be out of the comic or out of the story but i really felt with this issue and it's you know it's a testament to great writing perfect pacing stellar art and colors like i genuinely thought that she's in danger here you know normally you're reading a comic and you go oh the hero will win in the end and and this and that that kind of thing but as if those two storylines weren't absolutely fantastic we get to those last four pages <laughs> and there's just a loud hey Drop your, and uh, I'm not going to spoil it any further than I already did in the opening, but I actively cheered at that moment when that happened. (laughs) I just thought that was so clever, so meta, fit the story perfectly of this sleepy retirement home of these are the people who would turn up. Oh, incredible. You know, we, we, we recommend Once in Future all the time, and we will continue to do so until everyone experiences how good this is. First trades available. This is issue ten, issue eleven. Actually, again, as we're recording, is is out this week, and it was really good actually as well. Uh, we I've I've talked about the sort of diamond delays and bits and pieces, but I thought this really benefited this week because nine and ten dropped the same week, and I actually thought it really <coughs> benefited from having a couple of issues to read back to back. So, uh, if if you're not on Once in Future, get on it. It is it, again, it's one of the best indie titles uh, being released at the moment. And once again, I go from Seven Secrets with Boom to Once in Future
1: at Boom. You know, they're absolutely killing it at the moment. Yeah, with a wee, with a wee stop off in Something is Killing the Children by Boom. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> uh, so yeah,
0: Once in Future, all three of us are reading it have been from the beginning. It's it's a pretty big pull at the store, and to be honest, we've recently sourced a few different uh, early issues for people because people are starting to get into it, and... You know, I was saying how Aftershock don't really do second printings. Boom, have no problem with it. You know, Seven Secrets, number one, was back to a third print. Once in Future, one, I think, said a sixth print. Uh, so people are clearly enjoying it and going back and so forth. So, yeah, absolutely adored that. That was Once in Future, number 10. Which will bring you then to my uh, honorable mention for this month or for this week. And I went to game with another indie title, but this is from a, more of an emerging indie label called AWA. Again, we've talked about this label a few times. I kind of feel like this is a title that needs a little bit more attention. So my honorable mention is for Hotel, number four. This was number four of a four-issue mini series. So this is written by John Lees. Uh, I've talked before about Sync, big fan of that. The artist on this is Dalibor Talahitch and Lee Lockridge on Colors. You know, again, as I say, I think this needs a bit more attention brought to it. This is a horror title, horror anthology title, and it reads like a cross of Psycho, The Shining, and Rosemary's Baby. Uh, As I was saying, any of our listeners will be aware of My Love for Sink. It's a dark and grimy Scottish-set horror title from John Lee's. And to be honest, it was him that brought me to AWA. I know we talked, obviously, about Year Zero being a big one that... You know, brought us across from Benjamin Percy. And there was The Resistance with J. Michael Straczynski. But Hotel was the first one that piqued my interest because of Sync, And it's an anthology horror series. It's set at the Pierrot Courts Hotel. And each issue deals with a different character who is spending the night for their own individual reasons. But their fates are sort of destined to intertwine. Issue four uh, it involves a, a father who brings his possessed son to this out-of-the-way hotel so that a priest can perform an exorcism but the thing about it is, is as evil as the demon is inside the kid, and it is very very real uh it's nothing compared to the evil that lurks within the walls of the hotel just splendidly wicked tale you know it's this is the final issue of the mini series the trades on the way soon awa are going to be doing sort of following the image model of releasing the first trades for that ten dollar price point so they're a bit cheaper to pick up and get into. Obviously, Year Zero has already been announced for a Volume 2. I desperately hope this gets announced for a Volume 2 as well because this this is a setup and a scenario, this out-of-the-way motel with this ancient evil in it that you can just tell one-off stories. It's just set up for more volumes. So really, really loving it. I'm pretty sure neither of you guys are, are on this, but I really recommend hitting that trade-up when it hits.
2: It will be. It is sounds good yeah love a lovely anthology double time that is horror yeah sounds right up my alley yeah it's like it's sort of like 70s
0: horror as well you know it's things like the exorcist and the shining and rosemary baby it's very old school horror rather than sort of jump horror it's more the horror that gets under your skin a little bit and uh mm-hmm. yeah I've, I've just really really been digging it there's a few guys in store have been reading it and you know, they, they seem to share my opinion on it. They've really dug it as well. So definitely once it hits trade, we'll be pushing that quite a bit as well. So uh, yeah, so that is pretty much me for the 19th of August. Once in future 10 pick of the week and hotel number four, honorable mention. What about yourself, Roddy? 19th of August, what do you got?
2: Hmm, yeah, it was pretty, pretty decent-sized week for me, uh, but there was one that really, really stood out. And that was G.I. Joe number seven by Paul Aller, the writer, Chris Evanhuis is the artist, colors, Brittany Peer and the letters by Neil Utick. Um, it was a series, definitely like a mixed series. I know we've kind of talked about how I wasn't so sure about it at the start. I thought this, this was an absolutely cracking issue. Um so I wrote a book called Tales of the Fractured Mind about mental health. And I wrote a story in it um, about a soldier who has PTSD. And this book kind of spoke to me a little bit because it seems so obvious for a GI Joe title to have to deal with that issue, but I don't think anybody really has touched upon it. And it sort of takes place over a five-year period with it follows the rise of Cobra but also Scarlet sort of coming back from a war and trying to deal with a civilian life while having this PTSD and I thought it was one of the strongest strongest issues of this series that I've seen um, it's certainly where Brittany Pierre gets to shine a lot there's really great storytelling with the colours I love how I, the sort of Imagery is like the colors are inverted um, and it's a different color scheme whenever she gets a flash of PTSD. Um, It's utterly brilliant book and it's ultimately, it goes through her struggling with these issues and it's really Duke who sort of comes to the fore and talks to her and he basically is trying to help her. They're old friends. And it takes a lot of time, and it shows. Just shows that recovery is. It's not something that happens overnight. It's not something that uh, maybe has a final end point. It's just something that is consistent every day. And I loved it. I loved how it deals with um, the trauma of being a soldier from a very human perspective. And it, it shows like how um, uh, she's you know triggered in every. Everyday aspects of life that just set her off, and it was brilliant. Brilliant to see this topic in GI Joe, and I think um, Chris Evan Hughes has really he has a he has a gorgeous art style in this one, and it's I feel like it's developing. You can see it develop and get grander and grander and more more poetic in his storytelling, and I really really like that. There was a there's a gorgeous shot of Scarlet at a funeral of um, one of her support group members. And it's just her. You see her, but you see about six other people, but they all have their face in shadow. And it's just, it's utterly brilliant, utterly gorgeous sort of storytelling. And yeah, it's sort of at the end, we're sort of returned with Scarlett sort of being recruited by G.I. Joe. And that brings us up to normal. And it was a great, great little detour almost from the main story um yeah did you read this keith
1: oh yeah i did Roddy. i uh i think uh, i don't know if i if i texted you about it after i had uh to just to let you know Mm -hmm. how so uh, yeah i i agree with with everything you said i mean this is a set i guess it's a it's a bit of a reboot of the gi joe universe isn't it um Mm -hmm. it's set against the backdrop of cobra having taken command of the world and to fight back gi joe has been recruiting civilians and training them up as spies and such uh but the the leadership is made up of the, the the joes that we know the combat vets um you know and one of those was duke who you know were seven issues in so i don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say that we we lost duke in the first issue uh which was a real surprise um and Scarlet was the other, so this this was a welcome return of Duke as well, you know, in the flashbacks, because this obviously is, mm-hmm. is set five years before the current series, and yeah, I just think that that handling of this issue, you know, the idea of the PTSD and the, 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 the mental health issues that, that accompany that, um, was just really sensitively done, and you know, she she's a soldier, she was a soldier, she is a soldier, all she wants to do is get, get back into the action, and she know Duke Duke has had to deal with this himself, but he's, he's back. He's already, you know, five years previous, he's already at working and investigating what's going on with Cobra. And she knows this and he's keeping her up to date on this. And she's just dying to get back in, but he's not going to let her back in until her head's on straight. Mm-hmm. However long that, however long that takes, you know, and, uh, and then, you know, the, against the backdrop of those other characters in her, uh, in her self-help sessions, you know, in her group sessions, um, which of course reminded me of, uh, you know, Falcon sessions that Steve dropped into in the Avengers movie, you know, uh, (laughs) those, 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 and then those same sessions, those same sessions that Steve was leading after Falcon had disappeared um, in the, in the, uh, in the snap. Um, But yeah, and that idea of military identity and giving up military identity to become a civilian uh, and just, uh, as you say, the things that, that trigger her and the things that, that trigger those, you know, your guy. He's he's just obsessed with the the soda pop situation, you know. He says I'm out of circulation <laughs> for a year and yeah. I come back and there are like twelve different kinds of every soda. Who the hell needs all that, you know? And it's just that, you know, why is it a problem? You know, it's it's. Uh, I, I just thought it was incredible, um, and it 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 brings context then to the way that Scarlett has treated the recruits and. In- mm-hmm in the in the series and the issues of the series before this so the fact that they're civilians and we're now seeing that in context of the fact that she was a soldier who had to return to civilian life and she never saw herself as a civilian and that's where the ptsd really comes from you know what i mean it's it's uh yeah i just thought i thought it was a fantastic fantastic book i would agree with you maybe the strongest issue of the series so far uh Lends, lends hope to the rest of the series for sure
2: yeah because I even thought it's probably I think you could just read it on its own and just you could still be made up by it. you would know everything it would still be just as affecting and I think it's almost I did see the other day it's a testament to the quality of it it's I think it's gone to a second printing which I'm yeah. not too sure many of the other issues have done and um, Probably, I don't know if even our wonderful Alan would know about G.I. Joe's uh, I, I <laughs> second don't, don't print scheduling. <laughs> I
0: don't believe even issue one went to second print, to be honest. Yeah. So for it to sort of hit issue seven and then be... Like IDW in general, they'll they'll do the odd second printing, but the only one I can think of recently was, believe it or not, our good little friend Kanto um, yeah, went to multiple yeah. printings. But like the likes of... Uh, Trying to think, like their Transformers issues and stuff in general don't go to second prints so so it obviously did strike a chord it's interesting hearing you chat about the art and really enjoying that I remember when this reboot first started you weren't already mm-hmm. sold on the art were you so it's, it's... yeah
2: I wasn't too sure yeah yeah definitely I'm, I'm loving it now I wasn't sure I'm like oh is this right for G.I. Joe but I think um it's stunning really is and this I think they're doing it really, really well and this this issue was certainly very it was very muted, but it was also very beautiful and it was had a lot to say, which I really enjoyed as well. And certainly, you know, maybe that is the place for a G.I. Joe comic, but you don't often see it. So yeah, I was really I was really, really blown away by it.
0: Nice. Cool. So pick of the week then is G.I. Joe number seven. What is the honourable mention? This is something Oof. again that I'm I'm shocked this didn't make it into one of our picks of the week, but it just shows the the strength of this, August, I believe.
2: Oh my god, this this was also blew me away too, but in <laughs> in a completely different sort of way. Um, so yeah, we're we're jumping to something completely different, which is Thor number six by Donny Cates, Nick Klein, and here there he is again, Matt Wilson. Um this, this is the end of the Herald of None um story arc, um which is Donny Cates's first run on the Thor series, which has been a blast. Um sort of at the start, this this issue sort of had a nice focus with the Silver Surfer, sort of as a bookend often, um, who Donny Cates explored in Silver Surfer Black, which is a phenomenal series. Um, so at the start. Galactus appeared and he basically made a deal with Thor that Thor would become his herald and things built from there and basically Galactus screwed him over he needed these planets for his he needed to consume these planets for his life force Thor had to find them for him Galactus ended up devouring a planet that had people on it and sort of it all went kind of crazy after that and this was a fantastic end to the series um don't want to throw out many spoilers just in case anybody hasn't read it but definitely pick up this book i've seen them going for crazy money as well which is a bit of a tangent um it just shows don't get me started Don roddy don't get me no? started please oh, really no um <laughs> It just shows what, like, what whatever Donny Cates does, there, that market is interested, obviously, and it's because of the character of uh, the Black Black Winter, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it was a phenomenal book. This one, um, I, I'm not too sure why I didn't go into a proper pick. I think I I probably would have picked it, but I really just I felt like I really I wanted to talk about GI Joe more so, but we've probably mentioned Thor a good few times but um, it was fantastic, beautiful, and uh, Nick Klein's doing, doing some of the work of his career on this one.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think it's one that, as you say, gets pretty much mentioned every single issue, so maybe it's nice to put the spotlight on others. I should say the first trade for Thor is on the way. I believe it'll be out in the next three to four weeks, so just if you're a little late coming to Thor and maybe put off by the... The pricing of the secondary market, unfortunately, the trade might be a way to get into this. Uh yeah, I agree. I I would argue it's Donny Kid's best Marvel work. And I'm a big fan of Silver Surfer Black, as you know. Uh I think that this just edges it. And I think it's definitely better than his Venom run, which I enjoy as well. But I think this Thor run is something special and it's and again, we've talked about it before. I think it's really interesting that two of the biggest titles at Marvel and DC both came off long runs with heavily respected writers and yet the two new kids on the block almost have made it their own really quickly uh obviously mm-hmm. referencing batman for uh-huh.
3: for dc and
2: then thor for this so yeah what does our resident
1: thor experts uh, have to say on this? <laughs> those are those are big words um <laughs> I, I i i totally agree with you i thought it was absolutely fantastic it was a great a great uh, first story arc, and uh, in, in Donny Cates' run, it was it was stellar. The art is unbelievable. Um, so I was really interested in the in the Black Winter, and uh, really interested in and in, and Thor apparently felling Galactus. Uh, that's that's interesting, uh, yeah, and even more interested in the fact that um, uh, towards the end of this story. Galactus' helmet is in Asgard, being used as a building. But uh, if you if you flick over to uh, if you flick over to uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, Galactus' helmet has been used as a power station, uh, which the the Guardians mm-hmm. attack. So uh, I don't know what's going on there, but either way, it doesn't work out well for Galactus. Uh, I'm quite sure. Um, yeah, just Thor's sure a bit
2: uh, of a bastard, isn't he?
1: He's he's troubled. Um, I'm interested to see. I mean, he's obviously troubled. He has a bit of a vision there uh the, the 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 black winter gives him a vision uh about what's to come and it it doesn't look uh it doesn't look particularly nice um certainly not uh and uh i mean there's a, there's an ongoing story with how mjolnir is getting heavier and heavier for thor uh, and what's going to happen there so uh yeah this is just a fantastic run i'm loving i'm loving what donny Kit's is doing he's, he's made it his own and uh we're all big fans of jason orange run so uh you know he's done a great job as alan says so that
0: wraps roddy's picks up then for the 19th of august which were gi joe number seven and thor number six you might not hear an awful lot from me in the next five minutes maybe well sorry no given what keith's about to talk about probably in the next 25 (laughs) minutes but uh, Keith is going to hit us with his picks for the nineteenth of August. But I have to step away at this point because the trade just arrived for this today. I'm really looking forward to reading it. I want to have zero spoiled. So take it away, Keith. Nineteenth of
1: August. That's uh, that's very decent of uh, of Alan uh, walking away so we can we can talk about something that uh, Great, he's away. Roddy and I have yes. uh, have both read. <laughs> So, uh, so we could we could say
2: anything, Keith, anything. really <laughs> now, and he wouldn't know, <laughs> know unless he listens back to the podcast.
1: Well, he has to he has to edit it, you know, on this occasion. <laughs> so uh, probably best to keep a civil tongue, Roddy. Um, <laughs> but uh, what I want to to chat about is the final issue of Old Guard Force multiplied, and it might seem strange, you know, highlighting uh, the the final issue of a of a series. But as 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 uh, Alan rightly says, the uh, the trade. Will be arriving, and if you haven't picked this up, the five issue singles up, you're gonna regret it. But but buy the trade anyway, uh, because uh, this is absolutely fantastic. So, uh, we know that uh, Andromache is is seven thousand years old, Andy, which means she's seen a lot, and even more, she's done a lot. And her friend Noriko spent centuries drowning over and over again before freeing herself, and as a result, she's not uh particularly friendly with humanity. Um Niall is the newbie immortal, uh, the, the she's the last one to have been uncovered. And uh we've got uh, ex CIA agent Copley who also was in the first uh, series who has discovered the secret of the old guard and tried to use them you know during the first arc but has seen the air in his ways. So this is the, the conclusion the conclusion to that and it is stunning. Um yeah it discusses you know, I guess all the things about being immortal, you know, the, the, my my wee obsession with being immortal, uh, the idea of living forever, you know, assuming you can deal with your friends and your family dying over and over again while you live on. And, you know, and, you know, seeing the best and most likely the worst of humanity along the way, because, you know, the way the way history runs, there tends to be a darkness about a lot of it and. Um, you know and, and you know and, and living through all that can you stay good even if you start off good can you stay good the whole time knowing that that the the, the people who are after you're going to die that that people that you know the the legal system and civilization is all going to fall apart can you, can you can you can you with with knowing those things can you can you always avoid the temptation to to remain positive and remain good well you know I guess the the problem here is and and Andy is, is seven thousand years old and and she again, we're talking about the weight of history and the point of view of history. you know what was mm-hmm. what was uh, accepted at a certain time is not accepted now and is looked at in a different way and and certainly the answer to that that question about whether or not you can remain good. Uh, is answered by Andy uh, because she she couldn't she didn't um, you know that,
2: that's what I love to put it Keith the this this issue almost mirrored the the very first issue of the first um, the first arc um, so it, you know that that march of history and you know the the changing of like social attitudes and changing the passage of time and time catching up to Andy, who's... Andy's old within the immortal community. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. um, it just blew me away. And uh, Leandro Fernandez, just Ah. his... The artwork is so emotive for something. Um, And it was just, like, very... I don't want to say simple is obviously the wrong word, but it's a very stripped back style but i thought the addition of the colors to it and sort of this hyper colored but drained out world just looks gorgeous yeah and yeah it, it's certainly just greg rock is just his theme the themes that he works with you know you don't you don't really get a lot of it he no, seems to be don't. a very original He's... very original in what he does
1: yeah yeah he uh... To just what you were saying about leandro fernandez you know i love the way he doesn't you know he does a background he shows you what's there and then there's just you know an economy of style where you've seen the background so then he just doesn't draw the background because <clears> your mind your mind fills in the background he's just left like a colored space or a white space and your mind fills in the background and then he picks it up again a wee bit later down the page you know what i mean it's it's just yeah. fantastic i feel like the the, you know those background colors, those pastel shades we were always talking about uh, from the first series. Whenever we did the book club on it, I think the colors are a wee bit more muted in this series. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that is yeah. that the case? You know, um, a lot more whites. Um, but just whenever you're talking about Greg Rucker and and what he writes about, I I mean, he he does. he's, he's just about one of my favourite writers in comics. You know, and this this mixes you know really intense hand-to-hand combat and some really affecting sort of emotional beats. And, you know, Andy, she's, as you would, I mean, she's she's 7,000 years old. She's incredibly complicated. She's done some wonderful things. But as Nylon uncovers, she's done some terrible things as well. And that carries its own weight. And there's, there's something about um, what he writes about that really mirrors some of the issues of today you know the and the idea of cancel culture and that people don't seem within that paradigm to be forgiven for things they've done in the past they can't be forgiven for things they've done in the past Mm -hmm. you know what i mean there's i think there's something in there about about those sorts of points that are
2: constantly constantly being brought back to yeah that's what andy kind of comes to comes to bear obviously in a completely different way <laughs> yeah but it's, yeah, it's yeah, that, very it's much that so. thing that can't be ignored almost um and she she is sort of made to pay for it at the start isn't it the, the start of this one where nariko makes andy kind of suffer what nariko did
1: yeah she's
2: underwater was, oh
1: that's just it, it's a... to
2: drown like a thousand <sighs> deaths basically
1: uh, is oh, it's it's horrible that that scene at the start. That uh, yeah, I mean that that's, she she wakes, she's in the trunk of a car at the bottom of the ocean, and she's you know she's she she can't die, but she can drown over and over and over and over. Um, and it's just that's horrible to think about, isn't it? You know, eventually, Andy very quick she works out. You know, because I she wakes up, she realizes what her situation is. She con she contemplates it. She very quickly. Works something out, then she dies. Then she wakes up. She realizes her situation. She does, you know, and so she very she slowly moves towards uh, getting herself out. But it, it was a fantastic opening and and a fantastic closing as well. You see this seven thousand year old woman. You just see her, uh, this warrior, the seven thousand year old warrior who knows more about tactics and armed and unarmed combat that she's forgotten more about these things than entire armies will ever know. And she's broken. She's broken and vulnerable and, uh, and fragile as a result of, of uh, other people's judgment of her actions, you know? Uh, oh, absolutely like, fantastic.
2: Yeah. Yeah. To be, to, to be immortal is to be human.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Human and, of
2: all, and, um, I thought it. I thought it was really interesting because the movie sort of came out in between this series, mm-hmm. so it was a really it was a weird sort of companion. Obviously, the the pandemic was in the middle of the this series as well, but um, yeah, it was a it was sort of like you had part of a sequel and then you had this the movie, which yeah. I thought got all the themes they did the scenes of the, the first old guard fantastically yeah yeah yeah
1: um
2: this and I, this delivered so bring on number three
1: yeah and it's you know i think i think if you're someone who has watched the movie on netflix you could probably pick up force multiplied as as an appropriate uh sequel to the movie as well as to the original series you know so uh you, you wouldn't go too far wrong and uh, and yeah the uh the, the the final page you know the uh with, with with pictures of uh, of uh, Nikki's sword and Joe's sword and uh, and uh, it looks like Noriko's blade and and Andy's axe shattered and it says the the old guard <laughs> will return one last time the old guard <laughs> fade away <laughs> so looking forward to the end of this trilogy yeah. oh fantastic and stuff also
2: special those co- those covers I think they're some of the best in comics.
1: Yeah, oh they they absolutely are. They absolutely are. Um so Shall we, we can, give him the we, signal? We, we we can invite Alan back. Yeah.
0: Oh for goodness I was just starting to read Batman ninety nine just out this week when you decided to interrupt me there. <laughs>
1: well, uh, so that was old guard force multiplied number five, which is the end of that that series. And I believe as you said, the trade paperback will be in store shortly. It on. is
0: indeed arrived in the delivery this week, so it did, so uh, we do have a few people who are enjoying Old Guard through trades, so I think it'll prove popular. But again, it's it's I suppose it's one of my drawbacks in a way, but I, I like to think of it as a positive. But I was starting to collect Old Guard, Force Multiplied, and then a customer showed an interest, and I sort of gave up my copies for them, so I will wait for the trade. But yeah, just I think the Old Guard is a really special series, so I just wanted to avoid as many spoilers as possible on it, and I'm really looking forward to digging into it myself. So if that was your
1: pick of the week, what was your honourable mention? Uh, Honourable mention is uh, Robert Kirkman, Chris Burnham, Scott Gimple, and Nathan Fairbairn's Die, Die, Die number 12. Uh, Mature readers only uh, from Skybound, uh, Image Skybound. And uh, this this series is brilliant. Uh, It is... uh, super violent uh remains so uh it pokes all sorts of fun at uh at modern day politics and uh, modern day media uh and all of that sort of stuff but uh it, we're at issue 12 now of the, the the series the mysterious series that robert kirkman launched now uh without any sort of uh advertising or branding over a year ago now uh well over a year ago i suppose Maybe closer to two, is it? it Maybe hitting closer yeah. to two, yeah.
0: Twelve issues yeah. in monthly format. Had a break after eight COVID break. Yeah, probably hitting two years now, actually.
1: Yeah, I mean it's so it's uh, it, it originally was the story of the uh, the the four the four identical brothers uh, John Paul George and Ringo uh, who were trained killers by their father and uh, and what has what has happened since. So uh, I, I mean. It, I don't even feel like there would be any point in me bringing you up to date on it uh, and what's happened. Um, there, there aren't so many brothers left anymore. Put it like that. Uh, the heroic brother, uh, Paul has returned, uh, to his uh, girlfriend, Jennifer, uh, per Barnaby, the, uh, the, the right leaning politician is, uh, has lost his nose and has been kept in a cage by, a by a Russian Uber oligarch. Um, uh the third of the remaining the, the, the last remaining brother other than Paul is, uh, is 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 slain in this at the start of this issue by uh, by by Paul's uh, partner Jennifer with a, a sword that she has that is her legacy blade and her birthright um <laughs> that' she, that her her people have protected for centuries. This is a brand new story that is addressed on the very very first page in three panels and then promptly forgotten about. it's uh it's just it's just fantastic and of course whenever she kills the brother uh the noseless paul is is really keen that uh, she cuts off his nose in order that he can have it reattached to his face um it's it's absolutely uh i say action-packed uber violent twisted um fantastic kirkman-esque stuff Uh, i just love it are either of you guys on this book i trade read it uh got the first trade which was the first eight issues
0: randomly it was a bit of a strange one uh mm-hmm. but yeah i really dug the first trade so i will wait for trade volume two
1: there's a there's a, a hilarious story in it where uh connie lipschitz who is uh she's uh, a um uh a, a, like a a top government sort of a sort of a an individual and uh they've been trying to deal with uh They've been trying to deal with the right to bear arms in america and and how they're going to deal with gun control and so forth and so on so effectively what they've done is they've uh, they've put a chemical that makes uh, people who in, in gun oil they've put a chemical that makes men impotent <laughs> so so we now have this this protest march <laughs> with with the, the gun clubs <laughs> um, with with signs such as gun cleaner broke my peener. and uh, <laughs> <laughs> Clean gun, soft, soft dicks, and then there's there's a great, there's a great, there's a great, a great the uh, placard in the background going, uh, going, make my dick hard again, <laughs> totally, totally, uh, make America great again, that whole font and everything, and then someone in the background it says, release my Snyder cut.
0: <laughs> yes, a bit of sense at last.
1: It sounds like this oh, is the book
0: that Kirkman's probably just having the most outright fun with.
1: Oh, he absolutely is. He absolutely is. Um, yeah, just uh, I'm I'm looking forward to chatting to you once that second uh, once that second trade comes out. And I'm looking forward to picking these all up from the box again and and reading them back to back just to see. You yeah, know, there's there's a lot going on. Like there's a lot going on.
0: Cool. So, da da number 12 being your Honourable Mention for 19th of August. So, if you're still with us, dear listener, we're now moving on to the final week of August. And holy moly, what a week it was. There's always one standout month, I think, or one standout week in a month where just all the big issues come out all at once, and there's so much choice. This was definitely, when I, when I go back to those sort of 112 issues I had this month, this was definitely the biggest week. I think I was pushing 40 titles this week. Just great wealth of great indie stuff, great wealth of Marvel stuff, and some big, big releases for DC as well. Um, if I were you guys, I would settle in for next 25 to 30 minutes because i got to talk me some Three Jokers. So <laughs> get comfortable is what I would say. Yeah, no surprise here. My pick of the week for the 26th of August is Three Jokers. Written by Jeff Johns, art by Jason Faybook, and colours by Brad Anderson. Before we jump into the meat and bones of the title itself, I mean it's this is a watershed moment for the store. This was by far the biggest issue in terms of quantity of anything we've ever ordered. We had a lot of people interested in the premium variants, we had people interested in cover B. You know, this this was a real event book, which for a three-issue mini-series alone is is pretty incredible. But, you know, we, we ordered in excess of 200 copies of this book. And we're down to about 25 in the store now. Like, it has soul-like hotcakes. And if you haven't picked it up yet, I really can't recommend it enough. And I'll go into why uh, next. So, the first thing to say about Three Jokers is Roddy bought it the week it came out. That's the first thing to say. <laughs> I talked him into it. It was a prestige format book. He went for it before I jump into anything quick impressions from you guys what do you think Roddy
2: yeah um, probably wasn't as enamored as you're gonna be but I thought it was pretty strong yeah certainly certainly massive massive book and I'm, I'm excited to see where the story goes now
1: again I'm, I mean I don't think anyone's gonna be as as taken by it as, as Alan is but I'm I'm glad I picked it up um, it's mm-hmm. it's that it's that the format that black label should be so it's a nice uh, a nice thick uh, card covered book um and uh it's regular comic sized which is nice um so i the, the art is absolutely fabulous uh, i enjoyed the story so the the main protagonists obviously being batman uh, batgirl and the red hood uh, and uh, then the mystery of who these three jokers are now i'm not Terribly familiar with the story of why there's three jokers, or uh, so I'm not as as it maybe attached to the the concept, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. Um, as ever, DC continuity, blah. You know, but but so yeah, just, much I mean, negativity really... here. I tell you. Luckily, it's gonna be luckily it's gonna
0: be counterbalanced by my extreme positivity. It's okay. But... <laughs> it's,
2: no, no. I, no oh, I enjoyed no, no, it absolutely not. No, there's.
1: I'm not being. I'm not yeah. been Not been negative. Uh, I just. I, it it was a really enjoyable story. It was a really enjoyable story. Um, right. You know, well, for, yeah. Well, the first thing to say about it is it's real.
0: It exists. And for me, anyway, <laughs> it was fully worth the wait. I mean, this title coming out, first of all, I felt really sorry for these guys because Fabick always said, we're not soliciting it until I finish the art. I don't want another Doomsday Clock scenario. I don't want the story being inhibited by the release scheduling. We'll solicit That's it when fair. it's finished. They waited and waited, and then they solicited it in March to come out in May, and then COVID hit and then they had to push it back, <laughs> and so on and so forth. But, you know, certainly I, I've been waiting for this title ever since the conclusion of the Dark Side War. This was a story back in the New 52 uh, in Justice League, and it was the same creative team with Jeff Johns writing and Facebook on art. And for me, they really bring their A game here with special mention, as I say, to Brad Anderson as well on Colours. What's really clever about the setup for me with this is, and I know you were saying, Roddy, you you don't need to see the Wayne's Die game, There's a part of me wholeheartedly agrees with that. Especially in live action. I think mass market people know what happened. But for me what was real the the reason I think it's been included here, well there's multiple reasons, but the main reason is that what's clever about this is that it's rewarding for these patient readers who have waited since Dark Side War, but it's also fully accessible for new readers. So you've got all this information Mm, at the start so that you're brought fully up to date and you're good to go. You know, the issue begins, and this this is a massive shout-out for the art. The art is the star here, wholeheartedly. I think the story is really engaging, but the art is what elevates this book for me. And the issue begins with possibly the most brutal depiction of what it actually takes to be Batman. You know, Alfred, he's tending to Bruce's wounds. So straight away, I understand what Keith's saying, where he says, you know, continuity's all over the place. Obviously, in the current Batman continuity, Alfred has unfortunately died. But this to me, this is a continuity from that New Fifty Two story. It's not it's not in modern continuity, so to speak. This is what happens after Dark Side War in New Fifty Two. But anyway, so okay. Alf, so Alfred's tending to Bruce's wounds, you know, after another hard night, and we're given a tour of, of Bruce's various scars and wounds and where they came from. You know, I, I could actually feel myself wincing reading this this these pages because it's showing how detailed and brutal the art is. And it also has sort of shown you what it takes to be Batman. You know, it's it's an endless cycle. But the thing that was really good about it as well is, you know, we don't just stop with Batman. You know, we explore Barbara Gordon, Batgirl, and Jason Todd Red Hood's physical and mental wounds. And this entire sequence, it poses the question of whether these characters will ever fully recover from the scars inflicted upon them. You know, it even begins with like a little quote saying, time heals all wounds, dot, dot, dot if they don't kill you first. And it's interesting on a second reading, you know, it's obviously we, we've got all these different ideas of what the Joker is. You know, he's the court jester. He's a homicidal maniac. He's a comedian. He's, he's, he's a crime boss. It's actually interesting. I, I reread it again today for about the fourth time, but when it's introduced some Batman's wounds, it says number one, the criminal when it's introduced some hmm. Barbara's hmm. wounds. It says number two, the comedian, and then when it's introducing Red Hood's wounds, it's number three, the clown. You know, just just interesting little thing that I think i will be worth keeping an eye on. But from there, like, the murder mystery then kicks in. So it forms the central plot of the story. We've been introduced to the characters. We've shown those physical and mental scars. And they all have their own individual cases, each one which is an individual murder. And they all carry all these different hallmarks of the Joker. And th- this in itself is just really clever because... The joker is nothing if not versatile you know you can insert the joker into batman the animated series and a kid will have a laugh at it but you can also introduce that character to the dark knight and have him as an anarchist and terrorist but you can also introduce him in joaquin phoenix's joker and it be the product of a disillusioned loner you know it shows the versatility of the character that these three murders all carry the hallmarks of the joker but they're all completely different so that that basically gives you the main plot. They're gonna to come together for this investigation because these three murders have happened close together time wise, so there's no way one person could have carried out all three. You know, for me anyway, this is a next level piece of work. Like the scripting's perfectly paced and it gives enough exposition without really feeling overwhelming, but it keeps the central mystery going and intriguing and captivating and so forth. But I have to go back to that artwork. Like this, this is a book years in the making. This is every last second of care given to it. Every last second of blood, sweat, and tears. You know, Book and Anderson to me, they combine to create career-defining work. This is, mm-hmm. this is just like the best of the best. The art is deep. It's textured. It's detailed. It's weighty, and it evokes everything for me. Anyway, from the Killing Joke to Watchmen. You know, there's nine panel structures yeah. in there, but there's. You know, the slow progression of story of Killing Joke, that kind of thing. You know, I, I should say this is very much a dark and adult title. You know, it's it'll explore loss and trauma and wounds. But for me, it's never gratuitous or overwhelming or off-putting or anything like that. It never feels sort of exploitative, if that makes sense. You know, it's dealing with these dark themes and in some cases of torture and murder and all sorts. But it never feels gratuitous. It feels it just feels interesting and you want to know more and you want to get deeper into understanding it. You know, for me anyway, I, I know obviously it's, as Keith sort of joked, you know, I was never going to, you know, reach that level for you guys. But for me, this is, this is contender for issue of the year. This was exceptional. And wow. and it's everything. And I'll, I'll jump on what Keith said about black label. This is what black label should be square bound Cardstock cover, embossed logo, no adverts, adult storytelling, self-contained to a degree, but also linking to previous stuff. Exceptional. I I can't get over how good this was. Like, I already had high high expectations. This Mm exceeded them. This, Mm -hmm. This just felt special. Came home, made myself a coffee, sat down, put on the Joker soundtrack to listen to while reading it. Just... Transported away. Just thought it was genuinely exceptional, and everything I wanted to be. So, yeah. Early. I I loved
2: how it. Um, I loved how like, yeah, you touched upon it. Like the three jokers for them, were like three different manifestations of like what he means to them. It's not necessarily, oh, there are three jokers because of the what? What? What's the chair called or whatever Uh, it was? The
1: Mobius chair. Mobius chair, isn't it? yeah
2: Beast chair, Yeah, but the joker to these characters is three different things anyway like i loved that part of it and i loved the art represents and pushes the story forward as it should and i i really enjoyed their depiction of the grief and what what they've all been through so far but yeah couldn't agree more with the black label stuff
1: sorry yeah, no, but yeah i think
2: again
1: yeah, go ahead Ronnie. I think you're, I think you're about to say the same thing go ahead
2: no you go for it. Uh,
1: yeah the the black I think this is great use of black label I think it really is I think that um, you know the idea that it's just a more mature story that that's going to deal with those those themes um I mean don't get me wrong I absolutely enjoyed it I absolutely enjoyed it I just I think it's uh, and I, I it looks great and it's 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 well written and the, the dialogue's great and uh, Again, it looks great, <laughs> you know. And yeah, I'm really it's... interested. I'm really interested to see uh, where the story goes over these three issues. Um, uh, you know, it's uh, and the other thing is, I I don't feel like I needed to know what had happened before to read this. Oh no, not at all. That's you know that's uh, part yeah, of its strength for me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I really I really appreciated that. But but I'm not. It's the the reason that uh, I may have sounded negative before is just because I don't have the same sort of investment in it, maybe as you do, Alan. Oh, you know, because of yeah, you know,
2: like I wouldn't the, put it down as Phantom, negative. Or... Yeah,
1: I wouldn't put it down as negative.
0: I would just put it down as you know, my excitement was plus a million for this. You know what I mean? Yeah, a hundred percent. And even if you guys came in at you know. Nine hundred thousand nine hundred ninety nine. It was. It was still gonna come off as less. I mean, it, it's 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 all about your fandom, of course. It is. I mean, you you love to see your favorite characters treated with respect and reverence, and the best creative teams put on them. And 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 it's interesting that you said, Roddy, that it it felt familiar. It felt familiar to a degree for me, but mm-hmm. at the same time. Comics are obviously churned out on a monthly rate, or in some cases, certainly with the main Batman ongoing, it's a it's a fortnightly rate. And I, and I'm not it's... I'm not denigrating those artists or, or that writing or whatever. It's a it's a totally different form of the medium. But when you've got something like this, that's ultimately going to be sort of 130 pages, premium. It feels special to me. It really does, oh. and mm. it feels adult and well thought out. Th- this is how I should have felt about Doomsday Clock. You know what I mean? yeah and doomsday clock i felt like this maybe for the first three issues and then as loath as i am to give keith full credit it genuinely started to feel like a series of beautiful one shots instead of a cohesive story Mm -hmm. and with this because everything is finished it's printed it's ready to go the release dates hopefully will not move you know it's it's the last week of each month for three months the hardcover's already solicited for november this is how comics that are premium like this should be released as well. Uh, they should just be held back until they're ready, and then release them. And I, I can't say enough good words but Like I've genuinely, I've read it four times already, and I'll probably read it again before issue two comes out just to pick up
1: in the minute details. Yeah, on it, you know, uh, I definitely, I'll definitely do the same. Uh, those last three pages were, oof, oh yeah, they were fairly, that's, uh, fairly that's when it stunning.
2: Into high gear, I think for, for me. Well, that's um, it. It's, do it's... you think? Look um, no, I was going to ask you a random continuity question. I have no time to think about the wider aspects of the DC continuity. But would it would it have made it even more special if it sort of tied into modern continuity? I don't. Or is know. it? Does it feel special because it is Black Label yeah. and it's on its own? That's that's an interesting an interesting idea. I mean.
0: As I say, I I link I link it back to the continuity of New Fifty Two because of the stuff set up in Dark Side War. But at the same time, I hundred percent agree with Keith. You don't need to have read the Dark Side War to get what the central concept of this is. They explain it very quickly with this case of. There's no way, you know, the Joker did all three of these, but they all fit as M.O. You know, they they establish it very quickly. This idea of three Jokers. I don't know. I, I kind of feel like the best stories. And I I, I don't know if you guys will agree with this or not. I mean, maybe Keith would be better suited to answer, given we're sort of more invested in the big two than than you would be, Roddy. Mm -hmm. But I kind of feel like the best stories are timeless. You know, for me, The Dark Knight Returns is timeless. The Killing Joke is timeless. You could slot them into any continuity and they make sense. And I'm sure that's true of classic Spider-Man stories and classic Thor stories. They don't need to be... you, You... You shouldn't look at it and go, oh, that's so 90s, or that fits in in the 70s, or, you know, they should be timeless. And that, for me, is what this has the potential to be. You know, I'm obviously gushing about it a lot and, and, you know, extremely happy with how it started, but there are still two issues to go. But this feels like it has the capacity to be one of those Batman stories, along with Mm -hmm. The Dark Knight Mm -hmm. Returns and Hush and Long Halloween. Because it'll stand on its own. Because it'll stand on its own exactly. You could hand it to a new reader and go, "Here you go. You understand that Batman became, or Bruce became Batman because his parents died. He's been through a a lot of trauma, and the Joker's his main nemesis." Go, and you could
1: Uh, handle this. You know, I'm glad. uh, I'm glad Nightwing's not in this, because if he was, I think it would be very difficult to distinguish him from uh, from Red Hood whenever Red Hood has his hood off. Yeah, uh, I I think that's a definite. That's a definite
0: choice as well because. Has Nightwing ever endured any specific trauma at the hands of the Joker? I'm not sure he has.
1: Well, he is right now. <laughs>
0: well, that's true. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but, no, I see what you mean, obviously. But, I see what you mean. I guess the comment I'm making is that Facebook draws um, Jason Todd an awful lot like uh, like uh, Dick Grayson. Yeah. No, no, I can see what you mean,
0: obviously, when he's he's just got the domino mask or even with, the, with mm. that off. But, but yeah, no, I, I... Brilliant! I yeah, personally good. can't say enough good things about it. You know, it's. I really hope that issue two and issue three live up to the same level of quality, and, and I have full faith that they will. So, yeah, definitely for me, twenty sixth of August, which was a stellar week, as I say, this was number one for me, and probably my issue of the month, I would say as well, if I had to had to pick one out. I like the week card as well. Yeah, those oh those week cards and that that's. A, <laughs> That unfortunately triggers my annoyance about the secondary market a bit. Those here, cards were selling sell for, like a mind for a 10 for a tenner? That's <laughs> <laughs> It's all right. I've still got about 20 of them in store. I'm all right. <laughs> but I should say, all given away free. A coffee in here. Um Yeah, so that was my pick of the week and pick of the month, I would say, which was Three Jokers number one. And then I'm going to keep my honorable mention nice. for this week exceptionally short. Because we had the pleasure of interviewing the guys behind this a few weeks ago. Definitely check it out in the podcast channel if you haven't listened to it yet. Two thoroughly engaging, interesting and cool guys. uh, David M. Bohr on writing and Drew Zucker on art. My honourable mention was Canto to The Hollow Men. So this was the sequel to already a store favourite, Canto. Uh, We then had the one shot that followed, Canto and the Clockwork Fairies. And then Hollow Men was the start of the all-out sequel for it. And this did everything a second volume of any great piece of work should do. It expanded the world, it expanded the cast of characters, but it didn't lose the essence of what that first volume was about. Uh pure hope, adventure, joy, great all ages title. I know we're all on this. Canto two is actually now our second biggest indie pool after Undiscovered what? Country in the store. Like that's how much Unreal. we've Yeah, that, that's how much we've pushed it and how much people are enjoying it. I think it's really resonating with people because the precarious state the world is in right now, and this is just a story of pure hope and the little guy that could, and charming mm-hmm. characters, great world, pure escapism. And and again, I, it shouldn't make a difference, but I think it does make a difference when you know the guys behind it or the creators behind it yeah, are just definitely. thoroughly nice people, and they mm-hmm. both are. So I know you guys are on this as well. That's my honorable mention for twenty Yeah,
2: uh, I absolutely adored it it was uh three jokers came out on canto today (laughs) (laughs) you sound exactly like vicky um, right now i i I loved it adored it and yeah the podcast we did with them just what a bunch of great guys um yeah great I i can't wait to see more of uh canto's little adventures and how it
1: expands yeah i'm looking i'm really looking forward to uh as you say, seeing seeing what's next for the the little clockwork night that could, you know, it's um just yeah, I really enjoyed that that first issue, and I'm just I'm really looking forward to to seeing what what comes next with the the sirens and the shrouded man and uh, and all of that good stuff. And and I should say from us to uh, to David, I hope that uh, I know that he's currently experiencing some difficulty. Uh, he's on on evacuation watch uh, over in in California there with the the fires that are going on and a. Uh, he says on Twitter that he's about to be there. There's a chance that he could be evacuated from his house. So uh, I hope, I hope really? all goes well out there, David, and, uh, and that you're, you're doing okay. And best wishes from your buddies at coffee and heroes. And Vicky reached out to him to say she was happy to take his CGC
0: issues and keep them safe. So we should throw that out as well, <laughs> but yes, our best wishes uh, and thoughts go out to the guys and keep up the great work. So yeah, that was my honorable mention for the 26th, which was Canto too. And to be honest, if it hadn't been for three Jokers that week, it could have possibly been my pick of the week. So, uh, But anyway, that's me done for the month. How about you, Roddy? What's your final one then for the 26th of August?
2: Well, yeah, it was, it was a big week for me as well. Um, I had a couple of graphic novels in there too, so I'm going to mix it up a wee bit and go for another store favourite. This one is Middle West, book three by Scotty Young and Jorge Corona. Scotty Young of I Hate Fairyland, Strange Academy, endless variant cover artist, um, but a great writer in his own right. And then artist Jorge Corona um, from Feathers, number one with the bullets. Um, then, yeah, Jorge Corona sort of channels the style of Scotty Young in this, but makes it his own. This is something you guys have read. And it was finally my chance to catch up with you. And I know a few others in the store, um, like Kyle was saying, he's a trade reader as well. So I think a lot of people are maybe doing it that way. This book was beautiful. Honestly, it got me right. It was like a gut punch, the end of it. I think it should be given to like 14, 15 year old boys and girls who are struggling and should just be a sign. I loved it. Absolutely adored it. We were talking a lot about, it's been a lot of talk about like mental health and trauma and this this kind of podcast. So I think finishing up with like teenage stuff like that in Middle West is a great, a great, um, great ending. Probably won't say much more unless we want to talk a bit of spoilers after, but there's three volumes now. It's finished 18 issues overall. Just utterly magical. Really was. Um, yeah. Well what about what what did you guys think of it?
0: Well, I mean it's it's an interesting one with Middle West. I think it's the first maybe long form indie series that we both recommended from the start and has now finished. Which is kind of a sign of how long we've been doing this podcast, guys. And mm. I I had mixed feelings about Middle West ending because I absolutely love this title. I look forward to it every month it came out, but at the same time, I was happy it finished in a really satisfying way, and I I don't think it's a massive sw- spoiler to throw out, but if you don't want to know anything at all, maybe skip forward two minutes, but there, there was a bit of a gut punch in it. I don't think it really affected me as I read it, and then... Afterwards, Vicky read it, and we were sort of talking about it, and she said, "You know the, the end of the Middle West really reminded me of the store and I was like "What? what do you mean by that?" And she said, "Well, at the end, all these different people from all these different backgrounds and all these different walks of life and all these different life experiences basically found a place together where they could all be themselves and be happy and feel valued and She was like, "'Oh, it's just like the store, you know like since we've opened this, this, some of our best friends now, you know, come on a daily basis, weekly basis. And these were people that three years ago we did not know. And that that that's when it really hit me as a gut punch. I have to <laughs> say, she, when she said that to her, I was like, geez, you are really right about that. That's lovely. <laughs> yeah, it was <laughs> wonderful, wonderful title. You know, it's. I think you're right, Roddy. I think there are certain titles that you almost need to put in the hands of certain age groups and sort of say like, you know, have a read of this this will show you that a you're not that different b there are other people out there like you and c this message can be presented to you in a fun and engaging way rather Mm -hmm. than just being you know told it you know to your face sort of thing you know what i mean it's it's like there's there's so many good messages littered the whole way through middle west but at the same time it's just a really thoroughly entertaining and engaging story and the artwork is just a second to none, you know, it's a beautifully realized world, colourful. And and it ended the again I don't wanna I don't wanna focus too much on the ending or not, but I expected it to go one way with his father, and then it went another way. Mm-mm. But it still made sense for it to go that way and you still got that resolution that you expected the other way, if you know what I mean. You know, he Yeah, you know, Abel very much finds peace at the end, but not maybe in the way you think. I don't know, if if that's fair or if you guys got that from it. Yeah, I think
2: so. Yeah, well uh what do you what do you think, Keith?
1: Oh I mean, I love this book from start to finish. Um it's the book that got my girlfriend into reading comic books. Um you know it uh, I think that it, should be a quote for the front of the trade.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: it uh it just the themes the themes of this book about the idea of anger and uh, anger and, and hurt sort of transmitted through generations and and what it does to families and what it does to, to people. Uh, Pretty just perfect
2: the, for our country, eh?
1: Yeah, absolutely, 100%. Um, and, I mean, I think, I, I don't know, but I feel like there was an element of, of biography in here, autobiography, you know. Uh, Scotty Young says at the end, I'd like to thank and dedicate this story to my dad, Kimmy Dale Young uh and uh, i know uh, abel's father was called dale wasn't that right and uh, my two sons baxter scott young and milo theodore young these three men taught me how to be a father the lessons have been filled with both joy and hurt and i'm a better person because of each and every one of them so you know i yeah i mean it, it's a story about it's a story about family and generations and anger and and hurt and you know finding a family whenever your your own family isn't what you hope it to be, you know, it's, uh, well, it was fantastic. And absolutely beautiful. Um, there was one panel, of, geez, I think about three issues ago, that just stands out to me as the single best panel of the year, maybe. And that's that panel where, uh, with the, inside the, the, uh, the boatman's head, you know, everything, uh, it's just a double, a double panel and it's completely white apart from, just the, the, the picture of an idealized version of himself with a fishing rod. Well, isn't it uh, oh, yeah, Maggie, yeah. the, the, uh, the older woman chats to him and, you know, cause he's not able to communicate outside. It, it was unbelievable. Um, but yeah, the, just such a, such a great tale, such a great tale. I'm looking forward to again, to getting it all together, to getting <laughs> it all together and, uh, and, um, and just reading it back to back. Yeah, Roddy, once again, unfortunately
0: demonstrates Gorgeous. the limits of a audio medium by showing us on camera that moment. But yeah, no, I wholeheartedly agree. I think beautiful print to that, you know, I, th- I think would look awesome on the wall as well. So, mm-hmm. and, and it is an interesting one, because I think you're right, Roddy. I think Jorge Corona definitely, he adopted some of Scotty Young's stylisms, definitely, for his art style. Because I have read some other of his work before, and it wasn't quite as
2: borderline cartoony is this if that makes sense maybe it actually the way keith was talking about um hillbilly kind of reminded me of this a wee bit that sort of otherworldly that it was our world but it wasn't kind yeah, of yeah yeah
1: it was it was it was just just to the left of our world just to the left yeah. of the midwest yeah it yeah. was uh, yeah absolutely it was yeah for sure definitely definitely that People, um, um
2: Bittersweet too, because um, yeah, like like you say, it's eighteen issues in the time you've been open as a store. It's come and gone, so that's yeah. that's that's big. Well, that's it. Many many mini series
0: have come and gone and things like that, but that's that's probably the longest running one I can think of that started not long after we opened, and and I'm so glad it's found an audience now because for a long time, in Middle West you know within the titles if you miss the start of them people don't tend to jump on them which is understandable enough and for Mm -hmm. a long time it was literally me keith and tommy who were the three on middle west and we kept talking about it and pushing it to people and they were like oh but the issues are hard to get and this and that but that that is a title like the trade sells like hotcakes the store you know first trade is part of that image you know ten dollar price point so nine pound for the trade six issues of goodness and and there's no way once you read that, you're not reading the other 12 issues. It's just not happening. <laughs> so that that sells brilliantly for us in store. From a maybe slightly selfish point of view, I really hope to bring out a beautiful deluxe edition of it. All the uh-huh. issues, hardcover, beautiful. That'll go, that'll go onto the shelf, definitely. And Yeah, one of my very favorite stories the last few years. And I was so, as I say, so delighted it ended well. Because you always worry, you're always like, because I I don't know if I necessarily had you know feelings of how it was gonna end, but I just I was like, please stick the landing, plan. and it was it was everything I wanted it to be. So yeah, great choice Roddy. It's it's kind of hard to talk about it without spoiling too much, you know. But this is a story that really deserves to be discovered by people. So uh, yeah, we uh, are we thinking about a maybe a book club covering the whole the whole series at mm. some stage. I think that could definitely be done. It might be about to, uh... six hours long though.
2: <laughs> need to get back into the old uh, book clubs.
0: Yeah, I've got some of my notes ready for Gotham Central. I really need to finish those off. Uh, I believe I think mm. did I lead you? Did I lend you the first trade, Keith? I think sure did. Yeah. So we'll we'll get onto that at some point. But we're not going to distract from the greatness that was Middle West and give it the the props it deserves. So yeah, great choice, Roddy. So that was Middle West Volume Three. Yeah. Uh, which just shows again the twenty sixth. I was already talking about how many great single issues came out that week. There's an exceptional trade as well, you know. (laughs) So, uh, but what was your honorable mention then for that week?
2: Well, earlier you said about one of the best Black Label titles. And I kind of think my next choice is going to be one of the best too. That is true Black Label sized, i.e. magazine format. (laughs) So this was issue number four of the question... (laughs) You just feel the hate coming through the, the camera lens there. <laughs> it just emanates, um, doesn't
1: it? But yeah, I have no room <laughs> in my heart for hate.
2: Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, this is issue four of the question: the life and death of fixed Sage, or the deaths of fixed Sage, should we say? Uh, writer Jeff Lemire, artist Denise Colan and Bill Sinkinowitz, colors by Chris Sotomayor. This was unreal. I thought this was an absolutely fantastic end to this series. Um, so sort of, there was a we've been kind of going through a lot of uh, stuff today with a lot of real world issues. And this the question faced on with the man of a thousand faces in Hub City, and there was a lot of stuff about um, police corruption and brutality that kind of. Rang true that I really enjoyed about this, and the artwork is just phenomenal. And the thing about these, I think the Black Label books will be fantastic because they'll make, especially the oversized ones. They'll always make great hardcovers. Like the the Damned one was really nice looking, and the Har the Harleen one was like pretty recently too, or maybe that was ages ago. But um, yeah. They'll certainly make great collectors' pieces. Whether Keith will pick up the the four issues, I don't know. Of an oversized magazine issue,
1: uh, but you've got to read uh, this,
2: Keith. It was fantastic.
1: I read the first issue. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, I as to, I mean, I'm picking up Constantine: Rise and Fall because it's Constantine. I'm glad I picked up the first issue of that. But it'll, I don't know. Uh, <clears throat> You know, I've got I've got Batman Damned sitting up my shelf up there, uh, where the rest of my comics are in boxes. Constantine's up there beside it, and I'm sort of going, well, you know what? Maybe when I'm done, all I'll sell them all and just buy the trade if it's normal size. Um, <laughs> so I'll, I don't know, I don't know. We'll see, we'll see. I, but I uh,
0: think what you need to do is sell that Batman Damned because number one of that alone, I'll buy you all the trades. So,
1: oh yeah, I can mean, maybe do that. Because maybe do that due to the <laughs>
0: uh, uncensored version of a certain appendage so
1: should also <laughs>
2: say um, this month featured especially in this book there was a great tribute to Dennis O'Neill and then there is I know there is some in the Marvel books too there's some great great little uh, obituary type stuff in a lot of the books so um, in this one each of the creators, Wrote like a little
0: tribute to Dennis O'Neill that I thought was really, really special. So nice, yeah. I mean, I me. thoroughly enjoyed the question. It's the the one Black Label title I was able to jump into with zero knowledge of the character, because to me the yeah, question same. for me the question is Renee Montoya. Uh, I like Vic Sage was not one I was familiar with, so it was nice to jump into something in the DC lore, and it'd be a pretty mainstream book with it being Black Label and you Know just start at zero, so that was that was kind of nice, and yeah, I really dug it. I have to say, Jeff Lemire is another one of those guys, he's anything he writes, I tend to follow. I mean, it's very different to Killer Smile, for example, which is another great Black yeah. Lady book, you know, <laughs> very different book, though. So, uh, yeah, cool. So, we'll leave it there then for Roddy. That is you finished then with your 26th of August picks with a Babe Middle West volume three, followed by question Deaths of Ixage number four. Why don't you bring us home then, Keith? What is your final pick for the month of August?
1: Uh, final pick for the month of August was, as you might expect, a tricky one, Alan. Uh, you know, as you said, there was a raft of good stuff, um, raft of good stuff out. So uh, whenever I went back to think, I just uh, I picked one that really stuck out to me, uh, that, that I, I really remembered, and that was uh, X-Men number 11 by... Uh, by uh jonathan hickman and lionel francis Yu, um sonny cho on colors and Clayton Cowles on letters this is an empire tie-in and also the path to ten of swords um so there's a lot going on in this issue but uh, it was just a great a great standout a great standout issue so Uh, As we know, in Empire, the Kree and Skull Empires have united uh, under Emperor Holtling to to fight a common enemy, um, the plant-like Kutati. Uh, They have claimed Earth's moon as their own. The X-Men have begun to fight back in the moon uh, and uh, and on Earth and Krakoa specifically. So um, the focus of the issue is Magneto, but we've got one of Hickman's lovely... um, uh, you know, text pieces at the very, very start, and I thought it was really interesting. It's a report uh, to the Quiet Council from uh, from the, the the Captain Commander, who is Cyclops, and Cyclops is looking at uh, at notes on asymmetrical warfare based on the fact that you know over the past year or so, Krakoa has been attacked a number of times. Now, do you remember back to Powers of X, Alan? Uh-huh. Uh huh. And do you remember the uh, the mutants that featured in that, or uh, certainly in one of the timelines, were all—they um, were all uh, hybrids. They were all various. They had powers. One had the power of Nightcrawler and the power of Colossus and the power of yeah, sort of uh, combined. Yeah, almost. Yeah, they were combined. Yeah, yeah they were. Uh, so, so uh, Cyclops in this in this uh, note uh, talks about. Um, how mutants' powers could integrate with others, you know, other complementary mutants, three or three or fewer mutants. You know, they, they could come up with roughly 40 useful combinations in military scenarios, uh, you know, and uh, using Magneto as their their point of reference, you know, and, uh, and so forth and so on. So uh, they're talking about a war college, but it struck me in reading that that it's not a huge step from mutants combining the use of their powers to combining mutant powers and in individuals you know what I mean uh, so I think we're seeing here steps towards that you know those various timelines of, of powers of X which is which is interesting so but anyway that's neither here nor there the uh, the story the, the crux of the story starts uh, the day after the issue the day after the issue story takes place and we have uh, we have um, uh, a group of uh, of younger mutants being being tutored, and the day after, as to why they're afraid, or you know, and, and and they're talking about about Magneto and Magneto having saved the day, and Magneto as the hero, which is an interesting point to see Magneto, and and then the the, the story really starts with the Katari attacking Krakoa, and there's a Magneto's meditating in his uh, in his home place on Krakoa, and you can see three costumes in the background. It's really interesting, and he have got his his red cloak with his red helmet. They've got his white cloak with his white helmet and they've got his black cloak with his black helmet, which I've never seen him use yet. Um, And uh, in this particular uh, story, we have him, uh, we have him in his red costume anyway, but uh, magic arrives and says, all right, we're being attacked. We need you. You know, are you ready? Are you ready to get your hands dirty old man? You know, and, uh, and that, and uh, there's just this fantastic, these fantastic scenes with, magneto you know just launching chunks of metal through the the plant creatures the katati and really taking literally taking them apart and then you know he's got these little metal balls and he's, he's just maximizing the use of his powers you just see you see the absolute power of magneto in this um and you, you see the the various mutants coming together through the the cuckoos the the, the telepathic uh uh sisters. And uh, so Magneto is is linked with Sage and uh, and Magma and just this you know Sage is bringing all these satellites in, you know over the over Krakoa so they can see what's going on. There there are weather satellites and these secret military satellites you know that they're they're using you know and uh, and uh, so Magneto's coordinate them and he says okay Magma her power is tectonic you know she's able to control volcanoes and he goes I need you to make the uh, the volcano at the at the end of Krakoa erupt you know and uh, very much the commander you know and uh, then he reaches out to Iceman Bobby and he says uh, as the as the volcano erupts and he says uh, be a good boy and cool it down for me and uh, bobby says not a problem it might be brittle though and Magneto's like broken metal with sharp edges whatever will i do with that <laughs> you yeah, know he just you know he takes this this lava that 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 magma has caused to erupt from this volcano and Bobby has flash frozen into these shards and just absolutely just tears the tears the invading army apart. It's incredible. And then, you know, we, we reach the big bad, you know, and effectively all he does is, uh, you know, this guy's this, this Qatari is very much, you know, I'm the forest. I'm the word. I do not lose. All it takes is one little seed and a little time and, uh, a little time and a little meat in the ground. Don't you understand your food? You know, he says, I'm not going anywhere, but if you want to fight fate, if you want this to be about blood, I can always play the butcher. So if it's a fight you're looking for, then fight me. And uh, Magneto's just standing there and says, I already have, and I've already won. And next thing, one of the weather satellites drops on this guy. Sounds like a Bugs
0: Bunny cartoon.
1: Oh, it's. And, and then, you know, the guy, the Kotati, the throws off the weather satellite, and then a bigger satellite drops on him. And then another satellite drops on top of that. And then another satellite drops on top of that. You know? And, and uh, Magneto says to the, one of the cuckoos, please apologize to Sage for stealing her satellites. Also, tell her to go ahead and forward the payment for the weather satellites to their respective governments. And uh, the cuckoo says, what about the military ones? And he's like, you mean the ones we're not supposed to know about? Yes, the same ones you dropped in the area and used to destroy his ships. Well, if asked. Tell them we have no idea what they're talking about. <laughs> it's just the dialogue, the action is just fantastic. So, really, really enjoyed this. So Hickman's Hickman's uh, Hickman's X Men is still is still, still hitting it out of strong. the park. Yeah, at, at issue eleven, very, very much. So, uh, just great, just and a lovely a lovely tie in to Empire as well. A tie in, you know, as in you can read it and it adds value, and if you don't read it, you'll not miss it.
0: You just can't resist taking another pot shot at Snyder and Metal, can you? You just can't help yourself.
1: That might be how you interpret it. It could be your guilty conscience. Uh, I don't know.
0: Based on how much you're laughing, you knew exactly what you were doing.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh,
1: any of you guys still reading this? Or?
0: I, I read it in Don of X trades now, so I'm up as far as trade seven, I think. Uh, okay. But yeah, I just I found it a little tough to follow all of the X Men stuff when you know, pull lists were sort of 20, 25, 30 titles so uh, <laughs> I read it in Dawn of Trades, which is a format I have to say is excellent uh, pulls in all oh, of the, the respective oh, series see
2: what you did there um, yeah, I'm not reading it last thing I read was House and Powers which were awesome, but I think it was too too big all those titles were just too too much, I think
1: uh, fair, fair, I mean, and I also should say Lionel Francis Hughes art is Fantastic! I did not expect him to be on this title for this long, and uh, and here he is a year later.
0: Yeah, because you were saying he's. Yeah, it's good to see.
1: Yeah, he's sort of one of those artists that
0: maybe needs a bit longer, a bit more time on titles. Therefore, as you say, doesn't tend to stick with him Yeah, yeah, yeah that's it, that's it. So yeah, very, very good. um Cool. Well, I'm. That was your pick of the week. I'm really looking forward to knowing what your honourable mention of the week. You know, based on our notes. It could be any one of uh, five or six titles. So what will he go for, people? What is uh, the honourable mention? He is
1: going for issue three of Wind by uh, James the IV and Michael De- De- Linus. Fine choice. Uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Aditya Bidikar on letters and colours, again, by Michael De Linus. Um, So, Oh, and there's a variant cover by Peach Momoko, Stephen's favourite um so issue three uh was fabulous there was so much world building uh which as you know is just my bread and butter uh so so yeah wind uh wind has been uh, has been uh, an oakley are fleeing from uh, are fleeing from 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 pipe town and uh they flee through the through the, through the pipes, uh, and they, uh, they're moving in the direction of, of, uh, a witch. Uh, they want to find a witch who can cure, who can cure winds, uh, magic blood. Um, and this, in this lovely sort of, again, part fairy story sort of thing. They meet, they meet an individual in the, uh, in the, in the pipes who, who recounts the mythology of the world, um, the North men who ruled the frosty forests of the Borean wastes by the grace of the North wind and all its cold, powerful tempests, the East men who ruled over the sky-drenched isles by the grace of the East wind and its cool, life-bringing rains, the West men who ruled over the sunset peaks by the grace of the West wind and its warm, calming breezes, and the South men who ruled over the scorching deserts of the Notan lands by the grace of the South wind and its sandstorms, and uh, all about the... The, the winds would call their children from the four corners of the world and they would pay tribute and the winds, uh, the winds would ask them, the, the men, the, the children to stay, but they never wanted to stay because they loved being out in the world and, and all of this stuff. And then the, uh, the, the fairies and the vampires and the spritals that, that came. So it, it's just, it's really, it, it gives the, the history, the, the mythology and the history of the world and, and, uh, you know, where Pipe Town came from and uh why they have these laws against magic blood and uh, why it was banned from the city to protect the last true humans of the world and and what's going on there. And uh so that, that that's what I really loved about this was just that world building. It's really an issue three. We now have really something to hold on to with regard to what this story is and, and, and who these people are and, and why things are the way they are, why the the bandaged man is chasing after people with with magic blood and and what that means and uh it's like a and and whenever we the the larger story starts to develop whenever they find the witch uh such as she is and there's a yeah there's a bit of a a, i guess a bit of a sort of a sad moment uh later on where where uh well i'll not not go into it because it's only an honorable mention but uh but this is uh oh, it's just a it's a story that's that's full of heart, um, and uh, it's it's sort of it sort of straddles that. I mean, if if you are missing M- Middle West, then this would be a good a good book to pick up to to fill that gap. I would say, uh, would that be fair to say, Alan? I think so. Yeah, it's uh, three
0: issues in it. It's it's taken a bit to get going for me, but I think by issue three, it's as you say, you are starting to sort of see the strings a little bit and see the direction it's heading. But the characters alone were carrying it for me, you know. Very charming. One hundred percent interesting yeah. worlds. Tinian, you've obviously faith in again, obviously doing great work with something to Killing the children and Batman and so forth. So yeah, wind is another one that's grown steadily issue by issue for us in terms of pull lists and so forth. So it, it's a rare indie title as well, in that it's always a bigger issue. It's always it's chunky, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's always it's always a dollar more expensive but you are getting more story for that and they seem to be adopting a slightly larger format for it but i know it's one of steven's favorites he he says the only thing he hates about it is that it it ends literally every issue like he's really digging it and then he thinks he's got like eight more pages of story to read and obviously with indie books they put the adverts at the back and uh that frustrates him a little bit but yeah i i'm really digging when i have to say it's uh it's definitely got a fan here you're are you reading it roddy
2: no, I am. Um, I got a nice variant, Dan Mora variant of the first one, and I read it, and I just, I remember liking it, but I never, I sort of never got around to picking up the other two. But uh, I might, I might just uh, see right, if my local comic store can arrange that.
0: I'll put number two in your box tomorrow, don't you worry.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's really, I just did. That... I think I think you're right. I think those first couple of issues were they set the characters and they they set some of the story arcs. You know, with the with the prince and with wind and and with the mother and 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 that. And I think this just explained a lot of the history and the backstory. And uh, so yeah, I don't think those first two issues were wasted by any means. I think this just gives them context. Yeah,
0: I think that's fair. And I think, as you say, it's maybe a a nice sort of counterpoint to the the loss of Middle West that we're all feeling, unfortunately. <laughs> Cool. So that was uh, Keith's final two picks. Then, so we had X Men number eleven for pick of the week, twenty sixth of August, and then Wind number three for his honorable mention. For anybody who's interested, the ones he was choosing between were Batman Beyond forty six, Philadelphia seven, that Texas Blood three, and Blade Runner nine. And yeah, I think
2: a... that just shows myth, <laughs> how, me- how much good stuff there was.
0: There was even more beyond that as well. It, it was genuinely yeah. a really stellar week, uh, the twenty sixth. Uh, so it's it's not surprising that we picked out such great titles from it. So cool. Well, that pretty much finishes up August for us. Then uh, we we've done this obviously as a monthly podcast. We are hoping to move the format now to a fortnightly one, with the idea being that the next podcast will cover the first two weeks of September, and then we'll get into a sort of a uh, fortnightly routine with that. But we do like to finish it off with talking about the titles that we're most looking forward to for the next New Comic Book Day. So we're recording this on the 15th of September. And new Comic Book Day is actually tomorrow, which is the 16th. So we always pick out three titles each just to finish with. For me, the three titles will come as zero surprise to anybody who knows me. <laughs> <laughs> we have Batman 99, continued on James Tinian and Jorge Jimenez's great arc on Joker War. Uh, that will be
1: of particular appeal to Keith if he could see the cover right now. Uh, I I have read the most ne- the most recent Nightwing, yes. uh, which you were imploring me to do, oh, and yes. uh, so I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah, uh, Nightwing seventy four was awesome.
0: Uh, Detective Comics ten twenty seven. So that is an oversized issue, and when I say oversized, I'm really not joking. This is graphic novel size. It's one hundred and forty four pages uh, of Detective Comics goodness. This is. This is to celebrate a thousand issues of Batman in Detective Comics and is an anthology uh, issue with I think it's 11 different stories in it. Everyone from Snyder to Tom Keen to Grant Morrison to basically anybody who's ever written Batman is probably involved in it somehow. And then the third one for me, I did try to promise you guys I wouldn't mention Tom Taylor again, but Seven Secrets number two is out this week as well. So those are my three. Uh, (laughs) For you guys it might prove a little different given the Lack of Marvel this week, unfortunately, due to Diamond's shipping snafu. What would you pick, Roddy?
2: Yeah, well, I don't know how many times I read or was told. Yeah, there's going to be no Marvel titles. But I still went ahead and picked Thor number seven. And I was really looking forward to Iron Man number one. So we'll have to wait for that. Um, So I'm left with only two choices. Which are Once in Future number eleven, gonna be awesome, uh, and also Dead Day number three, which is a wee great wee aftershock title that we've been enjoying, Alan.
0: Yeah, yeah, looking forward to that myself. Two rather great choices there. And how about yourself, Keith?
1: Uh, for me, I'm really looking forward. I know we all are really looking forward to Stillwater number one by uh, our buddy Chip Zdarsky and uh, Ramin K. Perez. Uh, this is the the town in which nobody dies. Uh, you know that's not just a promise in Stillwater; that's a threat. Uh, so looking forward to diving into his world of horror and intrigue in this new Skybound title. Uh, looking forward to Hellions 4. I know it won't arrive tomorrow, but sure, I can still hope. Um, the the story of the slightly more uh, the slightly more lost, uh, slightly more psychotic members of the uh, the. Krakow Island um, is going very, very well for those first three issues. And I'm a huge Havoc fan, so uh, good to see Havoc in action. And after G.I. Joe uh, number 7 and uh, Roddy's fantastic uh, heartfelt review of it today, I'm looking forward to G.I. Joe 8.
0: There we are. So, yeah, this week's pull lists, again, nice. just in case you'd be living under a rock. Uh, no Marvel titles this week, unfortunately. Uh, But there is still plenty of quality DC and indie titles as well. So plenty of stuff to look forward to regardless. So, yeah, that is going to do it for us on this August review show. Uh, Coming in a shade under four hours, not too bad. (laughs) Well, well, it's, four, well, it's four hours we've been on this call, but you know we 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 like to chit chat at the start of it, so maybe three and a half hours. I don't know, but it's, it's not bad. Three and a half hours of greatness, so it's all good. Anyway, it is a pleasure as always, boys. uh I will look forward to getting Double- this down to a fortnightly one, but mm-hmm. again, the, the the sheer wealth of titles this this month, I think, just kept us fully energized anyway, and uh it's always a pleasure chatting comics for you guys so we're gonna leave it there uh look forward to seeing you guys in store check out all the usual social media as normal to keep up to date with everything going on in the store obviously check out the website as well coffeeandheroes.com. and dot com and i'll just look forward to seeing you guys in store uh i will see you two in about seven hours probably uh <laughs> <laughs> so uh cheers for your input as always guys always a pleasure
2: Bye bye Keep on winging it.